Oh yeah, it's not like we need him for our show or anything. Yeah, it's the Karen. So if a female, a female is just being a total dick, that's a Karen now. Which is funny. That's that's my ex. His name's her name was Karen. <laughs> is it a female or is it a? Uh, is it like a female snitch? It's a fem- It's an upper class female uppity snitch who not feels not even elitist. upper class. I think I think well, a th- a Karen can part be of it, right? Entitlement. Just entitled. Yeah, uh, entitled. Not necessarily snitchy, right? Yeah, it's but but Chad was just the douchebag. Chad's the guy who who the '80s movies let you know is a bad guy because he wore a sweater around his neck. Yeah, <laughs> he was like uh, I forget the Will Arnett. Yeah, Will Arnett's a Chad in all of his roles. What's that awesome, awesome dude from Revenge of the Nerds that was married with children's sidekick? Uh, That's one of the movies I have not had the pleasure of seeing. You never seen Revenge, Revenge of, of the, the Nerds? Nerds? All right, let me get uh, one thing. Whoa. Let me get one thing. Out. <laughs> Uh, I I actually answered this on Facebook the other day. While social media is around, I'm going to answer things on Facebook. It might not be around for very long, the way the president's trending. Sorry, that's fresh news. You've heard about that, right? Sign an executive order. Oh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. You don't know about that one? All right. Uh, he signed an executive, or he's in the works to sign an he's executive order that's going to he's not gonna do, do something related to social media because he doesn't like the way Twitter handled his tweet yesterday. Uh, I knew he didn't like the <laughs> fact check. Fact checked or whatever. Yeah, right? No. Um, uh, was I s- uh, so I got on Facebook and answered uh, one, one of my friend's sisters. Um, she was alarmed that I hadn't seen Heathers, the movie Heathers. Jeez. So I've never seen it either. Okay, so <gasps> from the eighties, I would say eighties to ninety three, I too young. I didn't see any American comedies or fantasy movies because I was in Canada. I was a kid, and all I cared about was sci fi and horror <coughs> and action. So I missed the entire boat on fantasy, comedy, and like the romantic sixteen candles, John Hughes. You missed. I've seen a lot of those. Though. Good, but you've missed such an uh, organically. You yes, missed organically, I missed an important era of American pop. Um, I mean, I've been eighties obsessed since I was a kid. Eight years after the eighties was over, you know. You know so. who didn't miss any of those movies? I bet you, Karen didn't miss any of those movies. <laughs> she was in all those movies she being was. a dick. She might have been too good to see the movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, a theater full of people, full of heathens. Man, it does feel good to have company over at my place again. It does, not going to lie. You were talking about it before. and Well, firstly, it feels like it was just yesterday that we hung out in a weird way. It does feel like you guys were just here last week and that the last three months but it was not. didn't happen. But yeah. they did happen. And uh, I don't know. It's uh, this is a good feeling. Now I wouldn't hang out with complete strangers right now. I wouldn't want to be on a beach, huddled in masses uh, with folks that uh, <laughs> I had no idea where they've been the last two and a half months or two weeks. But it does feel good to be with friends, doing something productive, and uh, yeah, doing it for the right reasons. So th- thanks for making the trip out here this week, guys, to have a live. Recording of meandering rather than the remote recordings we've been having. Thanks for having us. It was weird. The last time I was here, it was dark when I came over and it was cold. It was like 48 degrees. It was in March? Uh, I want to say Probably. early March or late February. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> I know. I, I felt sort of weird as well when I was in the parking lot. I was like, it's not cold. And it's <laughs> not dark. But you still wore your leather coat. I, yeah, I, I unconsciously 
put on my leather jacket when I was coming over here, and I got in the car and went, what the hell am I wearing this for? <laughs> oh, because the last time I went to Sasha's, it was freezing cold at night. Psychological trip there. Maybe yeah. a Freudian slip of act, uh, action. Yeah, rather than of way. the tongue, it was of the action unconsciously what I did. It was, it was crazy. Very interesting. I associated for months coming over here and it being dark and being cold because I would come over here at night in the freaking winter. And now it's the summer. Yeah. So we've we started the show in November, and uh, Miguel's first episode I want to say was December, early December. So yeah, yeah you were in the midst of of uh, the winter, and then COVID hit, and we uh, hunkered up for the spring. Spring just snap of fingers is gone. Um, it's 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 lost. Summers here in Texas and hot and uh, muggy, but. Uh, yeah, it's just it, it is weird. It's it's like a mixed bag. I know the last three months have crept. A lot of people have been saying like it feels like March seventy fifth out there or March eightieth, um, just an extension of that month still. But at the same time, it does feel like it's moving quick. These weeks are moving quickly. Yeah, lately. Yeah. <coughs> and we had a nice spring, really. Um, weather was has been beautiful, which sucks because you've had to be inside for most of the stuff. Yeah. Disc golf courses have been open. <laughs> have you gotten back in on that? Uh just a couple of times. My uh my muscles aren't aren't ready for it this year. I don't know if it's age or the the lethargicness of the the COVID lockdown kicking in because I mean, yeah. Yeah, normally, you know, you're up and at them and uh you're working, so you're just you physically move around a little bit most of the day. And not that I don't, but I certainly, uh, if I had like a step counter, I would certainly be taking less steps than I did before. Yeah. And I don't know, the first time I went out disc golfing this season, my arm just didn't hold up very well, and it's been sore since. It's been two and a half, three weeks now. So I'm just taking it easy on the disc golf for the time being. But I'm one of those guys, I've been doing this for 10 years. I don't know, I might, I might, I might let my competitors uh, oh my God. hit the links a little early this year, get a couple of practice throws in at their home courses. Basically, you're saying going to give Morgan a handicap. I got uh, you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I might give him a head start this week. He's not or this year. He's not the only one either. My dad is a pretty competitive disc golfer with me, and so is my brother for that matter. But you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm like the Lee Trevino of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to Google. Nick the Nick Price or, or Lee Trevino of this. Yeah, I know my arm was completely sore the first time I threw uh, for a good week, yeah. Disc golf is, it requires your full arm, like every bit of it, your shoulder down to your wrist, uh, depending on the throw that you're, you're making. So if you're sitting around on the couch for 60% of the day, it is, uh, it is a wake-up call when you go out and you ask your arm, even with stretching and, and all that, to just go full speed ahead and throw a Frisbee as far as you can nonstop. So, yeah, that hit me kind of hard, but uh, I'll get over it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this disc golf. This this was supposed to be the year we brought you on the uh, tour with us, Miguel. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. With all this COVID lockdown stuff, um, it might be the right time. It might not be. But uh, we'll leave that decision. Was up there here. a lot of people there when you went? No. 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 Wow. There's been so many people. There were there were a lot of people at one course, but there was nobody at the other course. So maybe that's it, it varies. I'm sure depending on on where you go. where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, we're approach the mainstream media right now says we're approaching a hundred thousand. You go to Google it says we passed a hundred thousand deaths in the mm -hmm. US. I would say we have. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it's fair to assume. And yet, most of the country is opening back up again. Yeah. That um, is kind of crazy, right? It's, 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 it's for better or for worse. Uh, I mean, I've digested it over the last two weeks, and I may not agree with the reasoning behind why it's opening back up. I, I still don't necessarily because... I'm not in a position to where I'm going to be losing millions if uh, I'm not back in business and full steam running anyways. So I do have that bias where I don't necessarily um, have a financial burden to go back. I mean, I'm on un unemployment and have been for a month because my company, former company, downsized 80% prior wow. to this because uh, of the oil and gas industry that was hit there. So, I mean... I, I can understand it, but I always thought that there were things that um, superseded wealth and uh, the economy. And the last couple of weeks have just shown me that that's not the case. And I can disagree with it all day, but there is a constituency that does have money and financial gain in the economy as their number one and only prerogative in life. And I guess the the silver lining I always thought was going to kick in was that human life and health of your neighbor and uh, your family members was going to take precedent over any and everything. And it does for a lot of folks, the folks who are still treating this respectfully. There's people at this table who aren't going to be going back to their normal work life for some time, yeah. um, which tells me that it's being handled probably accordingly and, and justifiably within the ranks of that company. But then there's the whole another side of things that it's very easy to see what they're driven by and what, what they live for uh, without sugarcoating it. Uh, and I'm, o I'm okay with that now. Three months ago I wasn't okay with it because people weren't willing to uh, to see what was coming down the road, what was inev inevitable. I mean, it, I didn't need an epidemiology degree to figure out that, okay, if this is spreading like wildfire in the largest populated country in the world, yeah. it's going to spread everywhere. It's just a matter of time. Some people didn't want to accept that that was going to happen in the higher ranks of society, and it, we paid the price for it. I don't think the... I don't think that we pay the prices significantly at this point because we're uh, in the middle or the tail end of the first wave. Right. However, there is some rhetoric that alarms me when some folks say, like, we won't shut down the economy again if, like, a second wave comes. I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, Morgan, yet because we're not quite there yet. But could you see something to where if there's like another spike in New York in hospitalizations to where we were at in like late February, early March, could you see just soci society churning away and keep going? Or, or is no. it, yeah, it would shut down. No, I feel like it's in hot spots it would yeah, shut down. It, would it would shut wouldn't down. be a, maybe a cross country shutdown, mm -hmm. but I, I believe in, in definitely hot spots there would, there would still be another shutdown. Yeah, that's sure. all. That's all like wishful thinking on their part, right? On on the economically driven folks, it's it's like they're they're trying to make it seem like the worst is behind us, but it they don't know, and and neither well, do the experts. Really, it, it likely is only because you're now medicines having, it, it, even though it's still playing catch up, and we'll, we'll be playing catch up. You, you have the feeling by the fall we're going to have something for certain people to be able to take that will help 
because Ever, those those yeah. anti you got like three or four companies that have antibody uh, testings or whatever. Yeah, one of them's hitting human trials this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest are on I think primate trials. I, I mean, and those so are human trials. Yes, sure. <laughs> They're all <laughs> sure. humans, primates. The way this week has gone, it's uh, <laughs> it, the savagery coming out of human beings is very similar so, to what I've seen. Out so of I, I think you can legitimately say, yeah, maybe by fall uh, with all of this, there might be something out there that uh, we can take. Um, you mean like the actual equivalent to hydroxychloroquine or what hydroxychloroquine no, I mean was supposed to be? Maybe. <laughs> right, the, maybe. the preventative measure that could get the economy going quicker and and everybody could rest assured when they wake up, just pop a couple of hydroxys. Yeah, and it, and I think that combined with, you know, you're getting better knowledge on how it's spread. And if if people, you know, wear masks like, you know, they should when they're in public places, you know, I think you can start to limit some of the exposure. Um, God, did you One more question, though. Sure. Yeah, does the first week of seeing the nation open up again uh, alarm you, though? Because there aren't a ton of masks being worn in some settings and some states and some constituencies it feels like adults are spring breaking it up and uh turning yeah. on their inner their inner child and letting loose because it's their form of rebellion i guess or they're sort of like look at us we're impervious to everything else that's going on but that's only because we're uneducated on the the grander discussions being had it's that's the that's the unfortunate part man it's it's like uh yeah, there are. There's no winning those people over, Miguel. And I've, I've, that's been a tough pill to swallow over the last month because three months ago I came in here and I was willing to argue Morgan uh, with Morgan week after week about how those people will be won over once they see Americans dying and dying significantly. Uh, well, like you said, we're at a hundred thousand people. I don't like. Does that's. We we make big deals about a couple of people dying in plane crashes. We make it's a news story for running weeks, and and there's they're memorialized, and uh, there's all we haven't even had time to pallet what has occurred in the last three months on a loss of life scale in this country or the world. Like we don't even talk about the world numbers now because we're back in that that U.S. bubble of. You know, only caring about what's in front of us, but there's what a quarter of a mi- no more than a quarter of a million, three hundred fifty thousand plus uh, deaths across the world. So yeah. this is no, it's no Spanish flu because it's 2020, and we're not going to lose millions of lives based on the significant efforts of healthcare over the last hundred years. And we don't have a world war that's going. And on. we don't have a world war. Uh, to make it easier to spread amongst soldiers and uh, the well, you can't shut down an economy if you're at war, right? That too, um, yeah. So th- there are a lot of things going for us to reduce the loss of life, but still, even with all that, we lost so far three hundred and fifty thousand people. I'm not, I'm not willing to say that it couldn't cross a million worldwide by the end of the year, depending on you wave two. You would think easily. Uh, yeah, you would you would expect it the way it's trending, and it really does depend on the second wave. But then that would indicate that wave two would be significantly more severe than wave one wave because I don't we're at three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, but I don't I don't think there's any way wave two is more impactful than wave one. There's just no way. 
But it ha- it would have to be if there's over a million deaths by the end of the year, right? Because you're at 350 right now worldwide. And then if you treat it like a fiscal year, we're in Are quarter we? three. Yeah, we're entering quarter three of the year already in the summer. So you've got six months left, and it's 2020. And in the first four, Then we may five not months, hit a million. Mm. Um, I th- I don't want to say we will, but I, I think it depends on that second wave, and it depends on all the intangibles, like you said, the uh, medical um, preventative pills that are around or drugs. It depends on the way people treat this in public. It depends on a lot of stuff. It depends on if airlines start just turn the light switch back on and say, okay, you're, you're now free to move about the world again. I know Brazil got hard shut down earlier this week because they're the new hot spot. They've got 250,000 cases growing and uh, 30,000 deaths or, or something like that. Yeah. And, so the, and they're about to head into winter. Into right? their winter. So, yep. yeah, this seems like it's exactly what we thought it was going to do. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be higher when it's colder. And it's still going to linger around when it's hot. So you could throw that, that uh, hypothesis that some folks had early on about it disappearing in April. We're in May. Going into June, it's still clearly around. So it's a different kind of virus. And we knew that from the jump. We knew it was a novel thing and that we were going to learn more about it week to week to week. But it doesn't seem like a lot of folks are absorbing all that information. No, because it's about narratives over facts right now. Mm. Now more than ever, people have to pay attention to when someone says something. Consider the source. Donald Trump, for example, maybe somebody, the loudest voice saying, doesn't matter if there's a second wave. We're not going to shut down. That doesn't mean a damn thing. You know damn right that if the second wave hits hard, the governor's not going to give a shit what he says. They're no. going to do exactly what they Mayors feel. Mayors aren't right. going to care. Yeah. Mayors are not going to give a shit what he says. Governor's not going to give a shit what he says. It's, it's going to be what they're pushed into doing before the year's over. So yep. what Donald Trump says doesn't mean a damn thing. He can't, in his mind, he can't push a narrative that would spook the markets. He can't. He cannot. So He's got a lot on the line. That's sort of his saving grace right now is the economy, right? If the economy... Wall Street. If, if Wall Street hits the, the, the fan or, or just is decimated because of this, it's come over. November, then it's done. It, he's over. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though, is right now, if people don't understand that the economy is not Wall Street, then I don't know <laughs> how people are – I don't know what's left. Because, I mean, think about it. There, there's – how many do they say fall for unemployment now? Is it close to like 40? 40. It's, it's an incredible amount. Forty Absolutely. million people close to it have filed for unemployment. Yeah. Okay. That's food trucks can't stay full, but Wall Street's doing okay. So don't give me this shit that when Wall Street's doing okay, America's doing okay. That, that's what we've been told for generations. Well, that's again the the narrative and the rhetoric that's being pushed from the highest levels of this country, as far as power is concerned. Well, I would suggest that it's a good barometer. It's a good indicator. And in this case, not so much because we haven't felt the financial impact from all the different businesses just yet. That's because Wall Street's been artificially inflated with money to to prevent that from occurring, in my opinion. Socialism has saved Wall Street. Let's just be honest. I mean, that's... It's government interference is basically what saved them. I mean, bailout. They call it a bailout for a reason. Th- I mentioned that Fed chairman. I, I mentioned that Fed chairman uh, discussion on sixty. Yeah, the the multi billion dollar pump into the market that disappeared uh, within minutes. Are you talking about the the money given to the Federal Reserve uh, from the Federal Reserve to the markets? What gives it to banks? Not the market. Uh, there was a point where the market 
we yeah, we discussed this last week uh, in March when Corona was really hitting hard. They had to because of the fears of of the traders and where things were going. They did have to inject a lot of money. I want to say think you guys are misconstruing that. That was money into the banking system, not directly onto Wall Street. Where did it come from, though, Morgan? It was well, digitally the printed. Reserve. Digitally printed. Well, they have a reserve of trillions. Of money. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? Is my thing. Where did it? Where did it? I, mean, I don't know from? enough about the Federal Reserve <laughs> to say th- the money came from here, but uh, you know, as I understand it, they have funds, and that the funds aren't necessarily free. Uh, take some sort of legislation to free up the funds or to allow the funds to go back over to the banks. It's just all about banks being able to cover, uh, you know, all their, all the money that they have in their bank. No, that, that happened too. the bank stuff, the bank bailouts happened, the small business loans, the bailouts to regular Americans happened as well. But there was definitely a quick injection of very exuberant money uh, amounts of money into the market to account for unusual circumstances that we were experiencing in the stock market in March. Federal chairman discussed this on 60 Minutes last week. They just printed, digitally printed, like $1.5 trillion in the matter of a week, and they injected it in $500 billion increments into the stock market to calm the markets. That's literally like... Yeah, I'm still going to disagree. I don't think you're fully interpreting that correctly. But the transcript, you got the transcript in front of you? I do. And there's no mention of, we did this. So it's all about treasury bills. Yeah, Uh, but when the the Dow fell fell 8,000 points, uh, you know, what the markets are trying to do is to process. Why did the markets fall 8,000 points? Because everybody's freaking out about the the outbreak. How does it stop? How does everybody on the market stop freaking out? If, if you're in charge of the There's stock market and everybody's did, did, freaking well, out. Well, panic eventually goes, no, right? No, right? not in and this And so case. the whole thing was about treasury bills and about currency. It was not about the Dow Jones and people trading Coca-Cola. It wasn't. I'm not going to pretend to know enough about what it was he, about. He says investors wanted to be in very short-term instruments, and they wanted to be wanted them to be in major currencies. And so they buy treasury bills, for example. The $1.5 trillion of digitally printed money in a matter of hours that was injected to inflate the stock market or at least temporarily stabilize it because it was in a free fall, I don't want – maybe the Treasury bills is like the, the politically I correct like way of putting it. I think, I think you're just caught up on the fact but that the they, earlier that they part of the transcript, digitally. The earlier part of the transcript, the interviewer asks him what exactly – in, in March, as the Dow, Don, Dow Jones industrials were dropping 8,000 points, investors were running away from U.S. Treasuries, considered to be the safest possible investment. What did you think in that moment? And this is where he goes on to talk about the event. Yeah, but what was that one-liner where, uh, there you go. Fair to say you simply flooded the system with money. And then the Fed chairman says, yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. Okay, so just that statement, that's another way to think about it. That's saying, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, but I can't really say it that way because if I say it that way, then it'll sound like we just threw a bunch of money into a failing market because of the circumstances. So 
it's it's all it's a, it's a, it's so a are we correct are way. we going down on like these guys shouldn't have done this and this is somehow no corrupt not, no or? not necessarily i'm just saying that not a lot of people realize that this even happened here, here's what I think that like you had a misconception of what I, I was I talking about. Not really. At the I, start I, of it, you thought it was the, the bank thing. stuff. It is sort of the bank stuff because no, they're talking is, about currency. Yeah, but this they're is not just, talking about the actual market. But this is what I'm talking about. This is 1.5 trillion that was just put into the market in oh, less they're than buying, a week. They're doing treasury bills and bonds. All right, that's all right. I mean, that's old news. That is two month old news. I thought we had talked about it a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong about it, but. Everybody was going to get bailed out. We've all been bailed out. All I'm saying is, I don't know that I would have called this. I don't know that I would have called this a bailout. This is a this is a Wall Street bailout, easily. It's a trillion and a half. Morgan, what do you think? Do you think there's a difference between what happened here and what happened in 2008? It's not like oh yeah, big difference. It's not like they, um, you know, loaned. It's not like they just gave them money. Here you go. Here's 1.5 trillion dollars. I mean, there was an actual there's actual exchanging of currency going on here. This is not a bailout. This is not, hey, uh, you know, company ABC, here's money so that you can put back into the stock market. No, right, because there, there's no singular company to receive that money. It's a, it's a, it's a market. It's a hub for money. So yeah, they, I think they you're misconstruing this. So I, I'm not sure where you're going with this. Well, I, I, don't, I don't really have anywhere to go with it other okay. than the fact that this money was put out there. I, this is all about banks. Yeah. Here's here's what I am and I'm clearly indignant about this so-called stimulus. How disproportionate is that? How this all started? We were talking about well, the second yeah. round of stimulus well, checks. Well, yeah, which is a joke because look, here's a hell of an article that just came out uh, last April. Over how many? First of all, how many for context? How many millionaires do you guys think live in the U.S.? How many millionaires do you think we actually have? We have a lot of tycoons. Five to ten thousand. Look at this. Over 43,000 U.S. millionaires to get a stimulus averaging of 1.6 million each committee fines. This is from Fox. This isn't from MSNBC. This isn't from Vox or some left-wing, you know. Trying to push their side of the story. No, this is from Fox. 43,000 U.S. millionaires to get an average of 1.6 million each. Now, consider that combined with the fact that Pelosi... A Democrat, of all people, is taking flack because it came out when people looked at the nuance of the new stimulus package she's pushing, that there's a big bailout in there. You read you read the 1800 page. <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> well, I had to skim parts well, of it because I, figure I, out I what wonder if the stimulus that they're talking about though are in tax breaks and not an actual check money like w- you know we got. The majority of it is tax loopholes before the year's over, but a lot of it is actually stimulus. Um, so it's a mixture, and and it ends up being. Over a million and a half for these people. Now, again, Pelosi got in trouble because a part of uh, her input, it came out of the new stimulus package, the second round, if we ever fucking see it, uh, had a big thing in there about lobbyists. There was a bailout in there for lobbyists, and even Republicans were able to outflank her and make fun of her for that. So I think what, what a lot of people are indignant over, what, what I think we're really arguing about, is that the so-called stimulus, it's sort of heavy-handed in one direction. And it's not towards the working class. Now, a lot of people are going to lean on that old argument of, well, no, 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 we have to lean on the wealthier people. They're the job creators. They're the ones that are going to save us. But I think that what we are understanding... We've learned a lot because of this. We've learned that there's a reason why 25 years ago George Bush Sr. called that kind of thing voodoo economics. Morgan, you're old enough to know. (laughs) You're older than me. See, this is why I'm so (laughs) glad we're all together. (laughs) 
it's it's great to it's great to throw the old man jabs at you, even and though it's better you in look y- you look younger. You look younger with that goatee. You look younger. But you know he did. He called it voodoo economics, and he got in deep shit. And he said, "I never said that thing. I never called it voodoo economics." There, there. It's trickle down economics again. In the guise of of saving the economy but, is what it is. But man. this time we also have evidence and and sort of a situation that is bigger than all of that that says we don't really need the the millionaires to be at work for this country to survive. People are trying to eat. Yeah, I mean, people are. What it boils down to is is people need food, water, and shelter. Much credit to our boy Chris for that <laughs> one. It, it actually turned out to be true. And that's what people needed to survive the largest that's situation that was being gone through by by a whole community in this era, at least. Well, I mean, what, what's, what's a good provider of context to contextualize what I think a lot of people are mad is look at Canada. Yeah. Your home country. Uh-huh. 2000 a month. I told you, my, my cousin, who's mar- married to someone over there, he... he they're getting 2000 a month. The small business owners aren't being as transparent as I would like them to about what they're getting in all of this. Like the mom and pop shops are, are a lot of them just closing up shop. I don't see them. I know some major retailers are. I know Tuesday morning announced earlier this yeah, week so that they're done. Stuff like there's also places that I'm like, the place should have been out of business a while ago. J. Crew. <laughs> <laughs> like, who the hell goes? I don't know what the fuck J. Crew is. like, uh, I. I don't even know. Yeah, it's J. like <laughs> it's like a uppity sort of uh, male uh, men's shop, like a Tommy Hilfiger oh. competitor. Are they're I guess. gone. They're done. They're done. Uh, J.C. Penney uh, on their way out the door. Boeing's laying <laughs> off fifteen thousand people. There, there's a lot of inevitabilities that I are, are going to be accelerated because of this. But yeah. how are the are the mom and pop places? Did they get any money in all this? Probably the ability to take out a loan. I, I don't know that they were specifically given money, but I don't own a business, so I, yeah. I don't know. NPR just did a story on this that I listened to, and it's a bureaucratic process. There's a lot of uh, locally, here in Dallas, they talk to people, locally owned minority businesses that are just not getting shit because they're, it, it's hard to get through the system. The paperwork and the calls and the waiting. There's a lot of them that they'll talk to. That we, we filed for this back in March. We haven't gotten any help. We're shutting down. So, like, there's a lot of mom-and-pop places here, even in Texas, that are suffering because of that bureaucratic process. Uh, and, it, and it really sucks for them. Yeah. Going, ba- going back to what you were talking about, about people being angry. Um, if you are somebody who you are a small business owner and you're suffering and you put your whole livelihood into this business, I understand why you want the economy back. Yeah, right. I understand why you're protesting, why you want things. You've to worked all your life to get to where you're at yeah, and get your yeah. business to where it's at. Absolutely. But if you're somebody who's holding a sign out there that says, I need my hair cut, I want my nails done, <laughs> then fuck It's a you. little different. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a perfect way to put it because I side with the entrepreneur and the small business owner yeah, when it yeah. comes to the economy coming back on. I do not side with – the weird thing is I don't sign w- side with the hyper-consumer, but the small businesses need the consumerism to be there in order for them to thrive. So it's this weird balance of like, yeah, what do you do? And that's why I- I'm not mad at Amazon and uh, the social media sites just – going through the roof as far as profits are concerned during this lockdown because yeah it was going to happen and in a weird way it, it at least bodes well for the future because not that i enjoy buying 
all of my goods online, like grocery <laughs> shopping and Amazon and all that. But at least I know that we can get by doing it. Uh, right. I- if something like this were to occur on even a larger scale, that the world just doesn't stop running. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a weird seesaw of uh, of contradictions almost, but not really because. I, I've never been a hyper consumer to where, you know, I'm spending every single dollar that I earn. I never believe in like overspending either, but the economy relies on overspending. I mean, the credit system relies yeah. on overspending. Otherwise, that's completely gone out the window. And that's the sort of stuff that I do want to see done away with. I don't want to see credit card debt continue to skyrocket and go through the roof and people not being able to pay their car, <laughs> car loans off. But uh, it seems like the negligence in that area is only rising as far as as people's responsibilities and accountability is concerned i i'm i want to say i can't wait because that that that's indicative of i'm excited to see i'm not excited to see but i am curious to see guys what the credit debt average is going to be in after twi- this in, in january man. of 2021 isn't our national debt something in like the twenties no, of trillions I have now. No it's idea. ridiculous. We don't even pay attention to it anymore. It's no. gone, right? So what? But if it's a trickle down economic system, mentally, doesn't it work the same way? If if some Joe schmo is walking around and he sees that the country doesn't care that it's twenty one trillion in debt, why is he going to care that he's fifteen grand in debt? I mean, it is a psychological there is sort of. Uh, yeah. there, there's something I there. I don't know that they know that the national debt exists. They just know that they. They're trying to keep up with the next guy. It's a it's a like competitive advantage thing with them, or just you know I want to look like I'm living a much better life than I'm really living. Right? Yeah, you know when that happened last time in the twenties. What? How do we? How did that end up? Yeah. Hey. Remember in the twenties, men were encouraged to look like we were all businessmen. We were all encouraged. It was a joke about that. How men in the twenties were encouraged to carry a briefcase, even if you were a fucking chimney sweeper. <laughs> Li- they were. I mean, it was insane. And then, like, we're 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 doing that again in our society. It, it didn't. End well, you up do well. need a pretty big briefcase to carry around <laughs> chimney cleaning equipment. Now that I think about it. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I, I yeah. know what you're saying. Yeah. It, it was the start of that. That propaganda wave that we talk about Edward Bernays quite often, but I'm sure yeah. he had some play in you know what the model citizen in a in a society look like. There's a reason why Gattaca, for example, everybody's walking around very business esque and very uh, uh, suit and tie with their with their briefcases. That is that's where it gets a little weird with me, man. Because are we are we working towards a, a more uniform society through all this, Morgan? Uh, a more um, a more agreeable with the the government and no, the, no. You think, but but don't take the last three or four months as as an indication of it. Look at it as like a transition period. Are we are we working to towards? A, is this a way to psychologically condition folks to? listen and pay attention to things when when there's more important stuff going on than your personal life no I don't think it doesn't work I, I don't think people are looking at it that way okay long term though i mean outside of our generation no do we have any say so in that do we have any like do we have any say so in the way that our brain chemistry has been think of what miguel said when he came here today i mean he's been at home for three months and he threw on his leather jacket that's like a entry-level sort of effect, but are there more significant psychological effects that we can't realize are occurring because of this on a mass scale? 
No. No? I don't you think so. Okay. No. Uh, I mean, the depression, they've, or they've already noticed that there's been an increase in suicides and depressions reported in the last two or three months. There's been an increase, a tangible. Has there? Uh, yes. Yeah. And you can look at it. There has been a tangible, measurable increase in reports of depression and suicide just in the last couple of months compared to the two months before. How can that be done if they can't be clinically diagnosed? Well, they are. There still are. Like, people are, are meeting their psychiatrist over the fucking internet. There's more people uh, calling the help hotlines for depression. There's more people, there's more suicides in per certain parts of the country that are being reported. So, I mean, that's, we might want to say, oh, it's tied to other things too, man. It's economics because they're losing their job. Well, yeah, but it's still at the end of the day tied to corona. You know, it's, it's tied to this situation that we're in when it comes to the pandemic. So, years from now, yeah, we're going to find out that it's, it does have a psychological effect on society. It, it has and it's going to. Have you guys heard any arguments from the exact opposite side of that uh, pendulum that thinks this is like the, the corona times are the best times that they've experienced on this planet? Outside of, of course, the virus and what's going on. But the, the mental standing, the... Uh, the peace, the tranquility, There's the uh, a handful of individuals that might say that I don't know. I know two personally that might say I'm good. There's one more, you, you know. <laughs> you, I know you're one of them. Yeah, I'm. I'm one of them. <laughs> I can, in a weird way, I can uh, mourn for the bigger picture and what's going yeah. on, and and dedicate my time to you know really being set back by the death side of things. Yeah. But I see a lot of good that's going to come out of this for several reasons mm -hmm. um and in my opinion it's a fast tracking of inevitability and i've always been about that always getting to like what yeah. i s what i saw was in the pipeline but wanting to see it you know radically sooner than like in my 50s and 60s we've heard about the automation stuff uh we've heard about ai we've heard about advancements in medical i'd had i'd had arguments with you or maybe it was other folks uh friendly arguments about how technology is so far advanced but they leak it out on a very systematic rollout because they don't want everybody th they want to they want to release it on like a Call of Duty style rollout to folks where you get a new phone every year, but you don't really get in on the large leaps uh, or in the public space. You don't get inside track on that until the folks behind it are sort of uh, set up to funnel for capitalism and uh, profit. Yeah. But I think all that is, is shattered now because of this. Uh, I, I think we do see we live in 2050 in the next year or two very quickly. Technologically, Economically, uh, health-wise, I, I you you shake. I think we do. Otherwise, this thing gets worse and worse and worse. Look, the AI program that spotted this in Wuhan isn't even being talked about. But that sort of technology, you bet your ass, is going to be part of the contact tracing that goes on in this country, whether they say it or not. It's not like there's going to be a bunch of Census Bureau-like people walking the streets saying, oh, this guy's got corona. All right, well, he's tagged. And uh, how's all the, all the stuff that they're saying is going to prevent this from escalating? It's all going to be technologically driven, and it's all tech that we haven't been privy to up to this point. But it's existed. Okay. So we're getting fast-tracked to the I don't know that future. There's a, I don't know that there's a fast-track. Like, I anything that's in being researched and developed, it, it doesn't... You can't go straight from R&D to the consumer. There's got to be... Not straight, but it works just like a vaccine. 
not really. It, it's well, Morgan, isn't a war an example of that? Like whenever the, the First World War, the Second World War, there was advances in technology after the war because we needed that sort of innovation desperately that eventually spread to consumers. Maybe this outbreak. It's been labeled a war by the president numerous times because he need, he's, needs to be a wartime president. To, right. You know. Will there be technology that hits the consumer market from this? Sure. But it's not going to be come to the consumer market any faster now than it did before. I'm willing to say that we like accelerate into 1984 style that living for but a very that's short what, period of that's time. That's what happens with technology, by the way. Right. Is it, it it's goes and goes and goes, and then when it finally hits, it it basically when it finally becomes affordable for the everyday consumer. Then you take the giant leap. Yeah, but but what we were talking about a year ago was like Alexa listening into us, uh, listening in our conversations, and ads popping up that kind of knew what we we're. I'm saying all of that gets taken uh, and accelerated very quickly. On I I can't pinpoint like exactly what it's going to look like yet, but all of that comes very quickly because of this, and now there's like reasoning behind it too, and there's. There's your personal safety is it at risk. Well, um, I'm, I'm so, so this is why we're ushering all of these advanced surveillance type techs. Then I'm with you halfway because I feel like yeah, I think maybe something is going to come down the pipe quicker, but I don't necessarily think they're Want. all good things. Yeah, right. But that's the that's the part that I've had to be just like okay with, and <laughs> I'm I'm okay with not not fighting it because it was inevitable anyways. It was just going to take a longer time to get there, and now that it's happening in this reduced amount of time, I'm okay with dealing with it so that we can get past it, and so that in a weird way, more people are tuned Aware. into what's going on at a much quicker rate that we were going to have to wait and dawdle around for, but. Again, I, I can't. I don't see that at all. I can't give you exact examples of what the world's <coughs> going to look like in a year or two because of this, but it's going to be technologically the equivalent I'm to. I'm still going to be driving my crappy Hyundai. <laughs> that's fine, but there's going to be. And it won't have AI that I can buy and add to the car. But there's going to be others eyes on you, uh, and if you've actually come down with with some, if you've been in an establishment. Where your chance of getting I it? I really don't think that will. Your freedom will be in, infringed upon yeah, because of this. That's why I don't think that will uh, go very far. You won't know that your freedom is being infringed upon. Sure, you will. No, you won't. That's the tech I'm talking about. <laughs> Did <laughs> we know when Snowden? I mean, we didn't know until Snowden. We didn't know that stuff was going on until we had a whistleblower. Yeah, but it was pretty. It was fairly easy to go to connect those dots to, right to say well this is going to be happening why based hasn't on what that, this is why can't you continue that and say okay based on where we were prior to corona where we were trending towards insert corona this is where we're going to be trending towards now you can almost see the little bits and pieces of it um in in some news stories nowadays about you know folks feeling like their their freedoms are infringed upon for going to work and having to be on a list of contact tracing the drones uh the drones all that but that's like the entry level stuff i'm talking about if you've got a temperature and you've got it the ai knows without you going online that you've got it there is heat based on only coronavirus yeah. In two years, there'll be enough medication out there that it won't even make sense to do that. If like this it, thing's that around it, for it 100 will end years, that, though. It, 
Well, no. You'll have a pill. You'll have something you can take. You'll have a you'll have a vaccine. It'll go to what the flu is today. Right, but it won't be tracking outbreaks. That's the point. If the tech was around in 1920 to prevent the flu from lasting for the last hundred years, would they have done something about it? Like, would if the technology existed in 1920 to prevent flu seasons from coming around every year, would you do it? Like, if it if it if it was police versus flu. Technology is not going to eliminate something that's already out there. Vaccine would or something that you take that makes it to where you can't catch it would. But technology warning you of where not to go. Well, what if you're just where people are? That's yeah, not going to eliminate anything. So if you if you've got it and there's so a drone that if, can if, spot you if, if having you, it, if you can figure out how to track me. Yeah, there's going to be 10 people who can figure out how to disable that tracking. And there'll be YouTube videos, right. and there'll be YouTube videos showing you exactly how to do it. Unless you don't tell anybody about it. And you just... Everybody you, wants... And, and somebody in a suit and tie just walks into your place of business and says, Sir, <laughs> you got coronavirus. Uh, I need you to <laughs> self-quarantine for 14 days. I'm not talking about... Um, it would be interesting if you could have an app on your cell phone that took your temperature. I might. It's coming. Yeah, it might be for that. Something like that. Uh, all right. Place to your forehead. I've been trying to <laughs> yeah. play both. I've been trying to play both sides of of the fence as of late, and I'm okay with I'm okay with a crunch down on this sort of stuff. I'm okay with frin- infringing upon people's freedom to get other people sick. I'm okay with that. I don't think so, I don't think anybody has that f- right. To get other people sick because of lack of accountability or lack of respect for their neighbor, I, I don't think anyone has that right, and that's a tough discussion to have. I was trying to have it with uh, coworkers prior to all this, and some people would just flat out tell me I do have the right. I'm like, no, you don't. I don't know. Right now, if, if you look online, there's a lot of articles talking about how there are there is a concern um, amongst certain libertarian groups, uh, for example, of. The increase of surveillance because of this, because what was happening in, in certain towns in the U.S. is that they were using drones to spy on people. Uh, n- not the police department, but like um, citizen organizations were using drones to like say, hey, look, they flew over an outside bar and said, here, there's 30 people hanging out. Cops saw the video and then they went over there and shut the bar down and said, hey, we told you guys no more than 20 people. You broke the law. We're shutting you down. And so that was just one of many examples. So of how do you feel about that? Dr- and see, that's the thing. That was uh, a part of me is like, oh, fucking narcs. But another part of me is like, no, wait a minute. Fuck it makes them. sense in this it situation. It makes sense in this situation. You you, you wear a seatbelt and you wear a helmet and you buy insurance and you do certain. You have your car oh. inspected. Don't have to wear a helmet here. Well, not in Texas. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you, you live by certain societal standards because you are a level-headed person that, for the most part, I hope, agrees yeah. that we follow these rules for the better of the. The population, the, the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. You use the term narc, uh, narking, and I think for the longest time, narc snitching, that sort of rhetoric, it's been misunderstood uh, because if you're well, it depends on the situation. If you're right. talking about Henry Hill, <laughs> sure, who did something horrible like Goodfellas, or, or or are you talking about people who shouldn't be doing shit? That's like that? the point that I'm uh, that I'm going to run with here yeah. is the way pop culture has treated snitching and narking <laughs> on a situation has been completely the opposite it's sort of bred 
the lack of responsibility that I, I see in a yeah. lot of folks when it comes to standing up and addressing something that they see wrong. You're a big proponent in this, right? Yeah, uh, you should call your neighbor out for that's doing not, something stupid. That's not snitching. If I look out the window and I see my neighbor murder his wife, I'm He's not going to snitch. I'm not going to say, oh, man, you know, Scarface taught me not to snitch or, <laughs> or uh, whatever gangster movie from the 80s that I was watching. And that's the psychological sort of uh, balance that people have to just come to terms with. So when it comes to, yeah, same thing. If I go into public and I see someone coughing up disgusting mucus and not wearing a mask, awesome, I'm going to have no problem telling the store manager that that person, I don't want to shop around them. I'm not, I'm not going to have a problem, but I, I'm willing to go a step further. I don't have a problem with a drone tagging that person, sticking them on a database online and saying, this person is sick. Here's where they are. Here's where they've been. And they should be prevented from going anywhere else. Yeah, this is, again, I think most, the good news is, Sasha, and I think most of us and most level-headed people agree that there's a significant difference between being a part of a group that was doing something nefarious or wrong to begin with and then selling them out to save your own ass. That's a snitch and a rat. Yeah. But what you're talking about, no, that's 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 people holding others accountable. That's a good segue into the, the, the Central Park Karen person. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... Te- Is it? Te- yes, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's technology... That's true. ...being used to call someone out being a shitty person. Oh, dude. Yeah, with cell phones, as much as I hate seeing two people in front of each other... With Videoing cell phones each other? each other? I just can't well, at least stand it's cell it. phones and not guns. It's, yeah. yeah, that's true. But it's just it, it it makes me cringe a little because it's so funny to watch somebody arguing and filming someone with their phone, and then the other person's doing the same thing. But the other side of that coin is, yeah, you get to see who's in the right and who's in the wrong very quickly and very um, on mass. It reminds me of the end of one of my favorite movies of 2018, Glass. Um, oh yeah, I, that movie is underappreciated. But in the closing scenes, some cell phone video plays out for social media, and they get to see the truth, truth of what occurred. And we've seen a ton of that in the reopening of the country because everybody's had this pent up sort of uh, emotional um, stagnation for three months, and they've had to endure it with their. Uh, I feel terrible for their family members of of some of these folks, like that lady in Central Park. If she lived with somebody, yeah, man. that sucks. Yeah, if that's your cousin or your sister, like uh, you, yeah. yeah. But it's again, it's or it's if your name is similar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, her name was like Amy Cooper, Pamela Cooper. I don't remember what her name. Yeah, was. something like it's very generic white name in New York. There's probably a million with her name. But no, I mean that's exemplary. It's a perfect example of how people are being held accountable. Give us a little background. Well, the background of that is there was a gentleman who was going through Central Park, and there was a woman letting her dog run around without a leash, and the dog was like pissing and crapping everywhere and barking at everyone. And he, and he very kindly said, uh, "Ma'am, you know that sign over there says you know your your dog's supposed to be on a leash." That's all he said. She now, the in my humble opinion, the rational reaction I would have done is, "Oh man." I didn't even pay attention to that sign. I didn't even see it. Let me go ahead and put my leash back on the dog. You have a good day. That would have been the rational adult fucking reaction to someone telling you that. I didn't even see the sign. Let me put my dog on a leash. You have a blessed day. Or, or just say, okay, put the dog on a leash and walk away. That's it. Her reaction was to lose her collective shit. She basically started yelling at him. She started saying, I don't know who you are telling me to do this. Why are you harassing me? She, she pulled out her phone. She, she says, played victim quickly, very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. That's what mm-hmm. she resorted to. She did not like 
someone not only calling her out on that, but filming her. So when, when, he saw, when she was filming her, letting her dog run around without a leash, she was like, oh, shit, I just got caught. So she lost her collective. She started threatening him. She started saying, well, I'm going to call the cops. What really pissed people off about that, if she just said, you know, oh, screw you, put the dog on a leash, fuck you, whatever, walked away, eh, who cares? But what pissed people off is that she had actually called the cops and started saying, yes, there's this black man, African-American man harassing me. He's threatening to attack me. She started pulling And we got to see that that wasn't the case. To see all of the bullshit she was pulling out of her What's going through her head then, guys, as she's basically lying about what's happening, but she's well aware that she's being filmed and that the... Is it a mo? Is it a lapse in understanding the situation, or is yeah. did she really feel threatened? Did she was she letting out years of animosity? Uh, what was going on in her her mind? If if that's possible to even like uh, put yourself in her shoes, is, is she just a victim? Is she just playing oh, victim? No, completely? but I do. I, she probably did go into a full blown panic mode. Okay. That's what it was. Like you felt like she was definitely panicking. But but it's it wasn't a it wasn't a panic. Her life was yeah. in no danger. Right. The panic probably had more to do with being upset that this guy was questioning something she was doing, and then her holding on to the dog, who's trying to get away from her the <laughs> whole time. So she's essentially choking the dog. And, and it was bad. She ended up taking it, the dog back to the shelter, she right? Did. Yes, and, and and at the same time, she's Good. you know she's trying to get back at this guy for you know. I guess questioning her for not having the dog on the leash. Yeah, that that bitch and, uh, just needed to get back on the leash. The yeah, dog, like, the dog. yeah, <laughs> the dog. <laughs> the dog. Okay. The dog was a female bitch. I mean, I think if you had just heard the nine one one recording, you'd have been freaking out, going, "Oh my Absolutely. god, this right. lady's life is in danger!" Absolutely. Absolutely. And you see the video, and you're like, "She is one stupid." An individual sh- that just overblew a simple situation. She lost her shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Morgan's right. If you would listen to, it had no context. If you would have just listened to that 911 call, you would have heard a hysterical woman. That, oh my God, what's this guy doing? Is he throwing shit at her? Is he threatening to kill her? She sounds hysterical. If you heard just the 911 call, that's what you would think. Have you guys ever had the cops called on you? Uh, for trespassing. for individual, uh, for an individual thing, or for I, I don't know. Your 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 sheet's pretty clean, but I don't know. Have you ever had the cops called on you? Yeah. All right. Same here. I've had them called on me quite a few times. <laughs> well, I was a photographer, I, well, man. I just based on your rap, no wonder. Well, <laughs> th- there, there's the point. I, I've had the cops called on me for walking around my apartment complex. That's it. It's because you got a tan, man. And That's beard. it. And this was in 2009, so this was... Uh, I could imagine what that 911 call must have sounded like, or that called to the police department there were five cop cars that showed up yeah and, and uh i don't think i did anything that warranted five cop cars but uh that i'm saving Damn. i'm saving that uh discussion for a future segue in this episode that we're going to get to pretty quickly because there was some other major uh news as far as videos concerned and as far as police officers and as far as the truth of a, a situation we got another one of those ugly uh, deals where someone lost their lives at the hand of um, some police officers, and you have this whole audience filming it the whole time, and it's again, it's the same. There's no panic from the officers in this case, right? They're trained not to panic in this sort of situation, so they're being filmed. They have to know what they're doing is is improper to some degree, and they're being told by Samaritans that they are 
handling this improperly. They're being told by the person who eventually died that the, he, can't the, breathe. he cannot breathe and that all he's asking for is a gasp of air, which is freedom, like, number one when you're born into this world. And all of that was taken away from him for no apparent reason. And even the earlier film that has come out because of this makes it clear that it was for no apparent reason. That's why I think we saw the gavel of judgment come down pretty quickly on, at first I thought it was only two people that were, two officers who four were involved in this, but it was four, four policemen. And every single, every single one of them uh, got fired, but I don't think that's enough either. We're t- no, we not. should be talking about uh, jury indicted, sorry, uh, not sorry. Yeah, but I, I do think it takes a little time to build to get the case, there. right? To go, you can't, sure. it, it should they be to. behind bars? Probably. Yeah, but I, you know, uh, at this they point, could, they would have to they'd be bailed out, I'm sure, pretty quickly. But yeah, I, I think you got to give them a little time to build the case to make sure it's airtight. Cause how much guys, time? Because look at what's happening in days, Minneapolis. So if you haven't heard this yeah, story, God then Almighty. I don't know. You're, uh, I don't know what's going on in your life if you haven't heard this story. But uh, George Floyd was his name, by the way. George <laughs> Floyd passed away earlier this week. I want to say he was in his late 30s. I would say he was murdered in his late 30s. but Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, murdered in his late 30s by some Minneapolis police officers on what seemed to be um, a very ugly handled pullover and search the car situation. And uh, the cop had a knee on the back of his neck. Knee on the... He was face down, and uh, what, what was really frustrating about this is that every single time I looked more and more into the story, I just got more mad. Yeah. Because the first time I saw the video, it looked like there was just one officer on top of him, and mm-hmm. he had his, on his his knee was on his neck, and the guy was saying, you know, I can't breathe. That upset me, but I, th- I thought to myself, well, let me look at this with nuance. Maybe there was some type of violent scuffle before this. Maybe something had happened before this cop that his life was in danger. And then you, you find out you can't see it on the initial video because there's he's underneath the, or behind a vehicle. There's three other officers on top of him. Yeah, I didn't Th- know that. There's three other officers on top of him that you can't see. So there's absolutely no reason for that fourth cop to have his knee on his neck to begin with, okay? And then, so the guy's saying, I can't breathe. Multiple times, I can't breathe. Now, he's being surrounded by a Samaritan saying, hey, the guy saying he can't breathe. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Let him up. Look, he's passed out, and you still have his knee on him. He's unconscious. Why don't you? And there was a girl who You're says, "Killing him." Yeah. yeah there was a girl who says, "I'm an EMT. Check his pulse. Repeat. I'm an EMT. Check his fucking pulse." And he's gone by then. And the cop. Well, he died at the hospital. Well, I mean, I'm talking unconscious. But yeah, one. he is unconscious. Yeah. As now that he was declared dead at the hospital. Right. But he was probably dead on that street. Honestly, they probably yeah. never revived him from there. At that point, he looked. He seemed to be unconscious for a couple minutes before the fucking EMTs got there. So what's different about this situation is that you said it first. The the gavel has come down hard already, not just in public opinion, but the mayor. We've never seen anything like this, at least not on this level. The mayor came out that less than 24 hours after the incident, and he basically said, this is is insane. This is obscene. How he had his knee on the neck is not how police are trained here. This is wrong, and I'm calling for their firing. They were all four fired. Very quickly. Very quickly. Had a press conference saying that the black community deserves answers. His family deserves answers. I'm sorry this happened. Very quickly. Um, what do you guys make of what's happened since then? Well, the, the, the basically protest that turned into some rioting was it continued tonight. People have lost their shit. I was telling you guys before we started recording on it. I, I watched about almost two hours worth 
of different people's live feeds of the protest tonight. And what I was taken aback by was the, the diversity of the crowds, not just in terms of race, but in age. Um, people who look like they're, no offense, Morgan, older, old enough to be Morgan's parents. <laughs> old enough to be Morgan's parents? I'm saying people in their, so like in 60. their, in their 60s, okay? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> 70s. Okay. Teenage parents. Okay. So that's that's true. Yeah, but they, these were people who looked to be in their late 60s, older, lots of older white people screaming at the cops. Okay. None of those people should be in crowds right now, for starters. <laughs> to their credit, most of them None of them masks. should be. Okay, good. But what I'm saying is, is that I, I, I don't condone people throwing bricks at cop cars or... or Breaking or, into Target and taking four televisions I didn't, I don't, at a time. I don't, I don't know if I saw anything being stolen, but I did see a uh, lot of bricks through cop cars. I did see um, some spray paint on cop cars, some eggs being thrown at the cops. I don't condone any kind of violence or... Obstruction of uh, destruction of property. I saw mass looting in Minneapolis in a couple of the videos that I saw. Well, some targets got hit. So, stupid. so uh, I don't condone anything like that, but I understand the genuine yes. frustration and frustration anger, towards yeah. the police. And again, the, the crowds that I was seeing tonight, seeing these older like Asian people, Hispanic people, white people saying, fuck you to the cops. And like giving them the finger as tear grass is being thrown around them. I've never, I don't remember anything, the last time I saw anything like that. And I think that this, this is different. This is different from all the other cases that have been caught on tape where, where an African-American or somebody of color was killed by the cops. This one just seems so blatantly wrong. And I think this, I don't want to say, I don't know if it's a breaking point, but so, this is different. I will say that. What, uh, what really bothers me about this type of incident is that We've only had access to it for the last 10 years. Or yeah. since, since body cams slash cell phones have become a big thing. Right. This sort of behavior has gone on, gone on for... Ever since there's been police, most likely. Yeah. yeah. Centuries. And uh, because before police, you had, you know... City guards. City guards. In medieval times exactly. or something. Exactly, and it's the same thing. This, this is one of the things that in a 21st century society... We should have an answer for very quickly, even if it comes to um, a community sort of response to it. Now, that's the hard part in all this, because clearly we see that this is maybe where I'm No, I'm not playing devil's advocate, but I'll say I don't know that we have the community, the whole that is accountable enough for the resolution to what needs to occur here. What needs to occur is not protesting in my opinion uh what needs to occur is somewhere in between peaceful protesting and violent upheaval it's actually right in between that what you need is a deconstruction of the police establishment across this country because it is currently inundated with individuals who should not be there just like a lot of right. in politics in schools in hospitals you've just got people who are doing the job for the wrong reasons and when it comes to police officers the wrong reasons are ugly reasons uh, now i'm not saying i'm not labeling any of these individuals that were part of this as just flat out they had a vendetta or they had uh, an axe to grind with this individual or with uh they were treating him as a symbol for a larger demonstration but I'm not ruling that out either. Yeah. And we have to be able to 
stop ruling that out as a whole. And unfortunately, we have all these occurrences build up, build up, build up, and it's just like anything else. I only see them getting worse. I don't see a very... I see a reactionary society in some regards. I see social media quickly rush to the discussion of here we go again or another one or thoughts and prayers to the family. But all that is... All that went out the door with me when, like, Rodney King. When I first heard that story, that's when I was like, okay, enough's enough with that. And that was 30 years ago, and I was nine years old. Yeah. So I don't understand how a society cannot graduate from the way that they handle this sort of situation, and they just put up with it over and over and over and over again. Is it because of the fear of authority? Is it because you see people standing on buildings with uh, armed rifles uh, and the protesters are on the ground and there's that sort of connection of they're, they're above us, they have weapons, they have the authority. So there's not really much that we can do. I disagree. I think there's a lot that can be done. I, I would start treating some of these folks as if they were terrorists in plain sight. And if you're on United 93, you look at the logic that occurred on that plane. People's lives were threatened, and they actually assessed the situation, and they said, no, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm not going to allow what's inevitably going to occur to occur. Sooner or later, that needs to happen. And if you see... I don't know how many people were present during the filming of this thing, but if you see 20 people approach three or four police officers, I don't think you're going to see police officers shoot unarmed civilians. Oh, I think you will. If you do, then you get to the point that I'm suggesting takes place quicker. You get to the point where we realize... The problem with that is is people are going to side with the cops. There's 20 people running at you. He feels threatened. Not running. Uh, Peacefully approaching... To remove the to remove the officer from killing a man in front of you're you. You're escalating the situation rather than de-escalating. People the could situation. have saved his life. Yes, though, they, they could have saved his life I right then and there. Would that have gotten uglier with people getting shot? I don't think so. If you come with you're, your you're hands right. up, you're right. right. <laughs> One of those cops, I guarantee you, thought it was wrong, and all he had to do was say something. How about the EMT that just reaches his hand in there to take his pulse? You're not going to say anything like get off of him. He's yeah, dying. Right? You're not going to say anything to him. Um, you know, I don't, those people I don't are just know. doing their jobs, and they're so systematically. But they can say they something. They can. They sure can. And you're right. Why I'd rather see it from the from the onlookers, though. That would give me hope, rather than filming the damn thing. I don't think that de-escalates it, anything. I, I, I know hmm. it's going to sound incredibly hypocritical of me because I say I don't condone violence. But if I had, if I had been there by the second time the guy said, "I can't breathe." I would have. You guys would would not be having meandering with me over the next <laughs> few months. I'm not. I'm not saying this is hyperbole yeah. either. I mean this in literal sense. I probably would have at least thrown a drink or an egg at the guy's, the cop's face. I would have done just anything if it meant me getting arrested. If it meant me having to spend four months in jail for assaulting a police officer with food. So be it. Because I think to myself, you know, okay, that's fine. I'm going to be in jail for a few months. I'm going to have a record. That but I just saved this guy's life. life. Yeah. In very rudimentary ways, uh, you weigh it. Yeah, you you weigh your options. If I put my hands one, up, one person does that. The next thing you know, you're going to have twenty cops in there, 
and then you're going to have tear gas, and then you're going to have but rubber bullets. But that guy's life may be saved. Maybe, but it's it, you might have cost other people's lives. When you get a unruly group of people together, even they're emotional. They're not going to act. They're not going to stop at just pushing the cops off the guy uh, to get him breathing. Is emotion warranted in in some situations? Sure, sure. Because there is a there's like a. And you know, if anybody had stepped up on these guys, everybody would have supported them. Yeah, I think but at but this point. But but you worry, you worry what would have happened in that case. But that's that's the thing. I think we have to inevitably see what would have happened. Otherwise, this sort of behavior. I'm just saying continues. though, you want to take any ground a cop could stand on in this situation away. away from him, right? Absolutely. So if 20 people are walking at them peacefully. I don't think you're taking that away from them. And this is where my personal story comes into play a little <laughs> bit here. Um, now, this is uh, some serious stuff. In 2009, uh, I was directly in the same position as this gentleman was. I was walking around my apartment complex on a summer afternoon. I had the, uh, I believe I was in a state of having a panic attack. Potentially. I, I do believe it was a, a semblance of a panic attack, but there was a, a lot of backstory to it that we'll talk about off mic at some point, I'm sure. So I am uh, walking around my apartment complex in a in a sort of circular state, you know, uh, not not just in circles, but I am walking the same half mile, quarter mile for about 20 minutes. And I cross the street, and the next thing I know, I have a police car pulled up telling me that someone's called in a report of seeing a strange individual walking around the apartment complex. I explained that I live there. Next thing, another police car shows up. Next thing, I am circled by police vehicles, four or five of them. Then my panic really sets in because I realize that I'm blocked off to reaccessing my home, and I'm going to have to walk through this police barricade that I'm not going to just be able to walk out of or walk through. I'm going to have to talk my way out of it, and I'm in a state of panic. Uh, at the same time. So I do my best to immediately remove myself from the situation by insinuating that my home's just across the street and I would like to go back home. Uh, that's all I would like to do is go back home. I'm trying to recall it as best as I can, too, because this was over 10 years ago. So word for word, I'm sure it went down differently. But this is pre-body cam. This is pre Cell phone videos everywhere. I'm sure if uh, somebody was driving by, they could have stopped and taken a video. But again... I was trapped in a circle of four or five police vehicles in a daycare parking lot by myself. And uh, eventually, I had some physical force exerted upon me. And I had a knee in the back of my neck. Uh, and I had the right side of my face, thankfully, looking back, um, pressed against the concrete, of which I had some physical damages done afterwards. All of this could not be brought up in court it was brought up in court on my behalf. I represented myself in the city of Louisville. One of my State. shining moments. Yeah, it was great. Um, there's This is a longer discussion that we'll have. Um, but uh, that was a mistake, representing myself, sure. In hindsight, perhaps. <laughs> I think I did a pretty damn good job. There's a quote but, for that. Yeah. Uh, but the downside of all this is that there was no, uh, there was no way to fight that system and that's what I wanted to do at that point in my my life uh, I wanted to be the guy who brought the the police department down because I was mistreated and I was physically uh, and violently subdued 
to the point where I did black out. And uh, the next thing I realized, I was waking up in a hospital, and I didn't know how I got there. And then I was transported to jail overnight, and then I was released in the morning. Charged with cask, cask, what were you uh, charged, charged with public intoxication, unknown substance. So again, I had a, I had a case. I had quite a case to bring to, but but I didn't. I did not take the uh, hire a lawyer route. I didn't have the money, and I was a little worried about that. I was worried about telling my story to people who wouldn't believe me because I chipped away at it a little bit for a little bit of time. I told some of my closest friends, some people who were in my apartment at the time and saw me walk out that door and never come back. I told them what took place in that 24-hour time period, and I saw their reactions, and I knew that wasn't going to be the route that I needed to take. So for a long time, I actually just kept it to myself, the actual truth of what occurred and the reality of that story in that 24-hour span because it's not easily palatable, but I know what occurred, and I know the fine details of that evening, and when I see a story like this 10 years later, it's, it's a part of me that cannot avoid being, in a weird way, I, I don't want to see violence beget violence. I, yeah. d- I definitely don't want that, but I do want to see justice on all fronts and i want to see it come down very quickly because if it doesn't then i feel as if these stories just much like mine get swept under a rug and get contained and they are sort of endured by the individual and the people that will hear the individual story now i've gotten past this in my understanding of what it takes to get past that. Uh, I don't think I deal with any post-traumatic stress from it. I don't think I deal with any uh, fear of police. I've been pulled over since for expired tags, and I get along fine with police officers. And I know that I know that my behavior may have been off that day, but that's besides the point. I was mishandled. I was not aggressive towards the police. I was simply stating my case and the fact that I wanted to return less than a thousand feet away back to the confines of my home and this could all been avoided but they weren't hearing that because of a random phone call to them saying that a strange individual was walking around the apartment complex and again I can empathize with whoever was looking out their window at that time and happened to see me walking around I certainly wasn't observing myself third person seeing what I look like walking around I wasn't uh, in a rage. I wasn't in uh, a state of delusion or anything, but I was w- walking in the same path over the course of 30 minutes. So I didn't have a phone. I was, I was in a meditative state. I was, trying to, I was trying to come to terms with what I had experienced prior. Consider, uh, here's a good analogy. You just broke up with girlfriend of five years. This isn't what occurred. You just broke up yeah, and you walk outside so. to get a breath of fresh air yeah. and you're pacing. That's pretty much the equivalent of what I was doing there, and uh, it was mishandled on all fronts by the folks who could have handled it a little bit better, and because of that, it rubbed me the wrong way for quite a long time, and now when I see similar stories in the news, I am always going to be on the side of the loss of life and the person who um, can't share their story fully because of uh, because of the oppression that they feel from the other side because I felt it and I felt it on all ranks I felt it on uh, being able to talk about it I felt it on approaching the 
police commissioner of a small town in North Texas and saying, this is what happened. What can we do about this? I don't want to hire a lawyer. I, I'm a 22-year-old kid. I don't want to go through that process. I don't want this to be uh, a bigger story than it, it can be. Um, maybe I was naive at the time. Maybe I was uh, gung-ho about my ability to represent myself in the court of law, but I decided to take it the way I, I ran with it, and the rest is history. But it happened, and it, it gives me some insight on talking about this sort of stuff because, fuck, man, if things had gone one way or another a little differently, I could be yeah. a victim of this. And the worst part is, uh, the way I started it with all this, is if I had been a victim of this, and it, uh, if I had lost my life or sustained severe injuries during that altercation, the end result would have been the same. No one would have known about it. No one would have uh, heard the truth of the matter and what actually occurred on that day. So when I see something like this and I see people filming it, that is a direct improvement upon what has occurred in the past. But it's, it's still not enough because the fact that it even occurred in the first place is the root of the problem. And I'm more interested in curbing that. And the only solution that I see is by removing the people that are the decision makers and make the wrong choices in those moments. They are just not capable of making that choice. They are not suitable human beings with suitable consciences or reasonability or m chemical makeup, whatever you call it. They're just not, they shouldn't be cops. You you gotta do something about bad people becoming cops. That that's it. I mean, I, I was looking at uh, data when it comes to foreign countries. How long they train their police officers? Some of them two years, four years, six years for some countries. You know how long you know how, how long it takes to become a cop on average in the U.S. Three months, sometimes two months. Two months. That's shorter than my summer vacation when we were in trouble in school. Like, are you, <laughs> or like summer school. Like two months? There, there's, there is no real program. There is no real police training. Two things need to be done. I mean, I think, yes, the protests need to happen. I, I think what you were looking for, Morgan, the, is civil disobedience, what MLK called it. Something more than protesting. I think there does need to be that. Um, Morgan's calling for now. <laughs> are you calling for civil disobedience? Yeah, absolutely. In this, in this you know, certain, the, the sad thing I is agree. you have these hanger honors that look for a uh, reason to cause chaos that's not necessarily directly related to the whole yeah. thing. Yes. Like, like let me egg some things on so that we can get bust windows out of the store so I can get a new TV. I think you have a few people that, that is have that bad mentality of they, they're taking advantage of a situation. I. I and, it, and, and honestly, it takes away from the protest in a, in a lot of ways. Time. Yeah, it's like I, I understand the frustration. I'm all for throwing bricks in this case, <laughs> eggs, whatever. I mean, you understand, you know, that they did that. Uh, but yeah, the, you'd hope that the rioting would. But the stealing—that's the direct yes. reciprocation um, to the other side of the equation, and. It's the same deal. There's a lot of good cops out there, but there are the people that are taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. And the people that are rushing into the police academy because they know that in within two years, they can be a guy in an SUV who pulls someone over or stops someone, and they can get away with stuff they couldn't Three get away with. Three or four months, they can well, be that guy. They can get away with exerting an authority and a power that they didn't have as a civilian if they just... 
enter well, this realm I of think society. Part of the wrong thing, it feels like they train for the worst case scenario. And so any scenario they run into, they treat it as the worst case That's scenario. That's a very, very good point. I they they don't that. ever assess a situation. Um, with nuance. Yeah, with, with, you know, even if they Circumstantially. Struggle, yeah, I, I mean, even if this guy struggled, did, do you need to st- sit on him for as long as you sat on him because he struggled? I mean, come on. Uh, or even here in Dallas where we have the female police officer coming home and she goes into the That's wrong apartment. Crazy. How do you just put three shots or whatever in this guy's chest? He's eating cereal. Right away. I mean, there's, there's no assessment of what's going on around you. A you lot know, of people don't don't uh, leave the job at the office. They live the job. Assume, yeah, especially police yeah. officers, I would assume. They are cops 24-7. That's a stigma that we know of cops to be certain, right, is that uh, you see it in movies all the time, like when, when cops have seen some of the worst stuff you could see. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's not, you can't just shake it off, right? No. So I've heard, hor- heard horror stories from cops in real life. Yeah. The shit they saw walking to a crackhead's house with a, yeah. a dead baby in the crib that's been there for like four days that didn't even care or know. I mean, some of the worst stories I've ever heard in my life haven't been from soldiers. They've been from fucking cops. Yeah, so maybe the answer is uh, maybe we shouldn't allow police officers to be police officers for as long as they are police officers. Maybe there should be some term limits uh, to well, how long you can I don't be. know if it's jaded, right? Do I mean? don't know that, that it's the long the guy that's been there for a while that gets jaded in his job, right? I, I, I think a lot of it's rookie. You would have uh, to it's, assess it's that early, yeah, early on. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, it's, it, it's both because I think that the, the guy, the guy that told me that horror story about the dead baby, uh, dead basically crack baby, um, he was a nice guy. He's not racist. He's not traumatized. He seemed okay when he told me that story. I was in shock. But there could be others that saw what he saw and were fucked up and had no business being a cop a week later. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that, that's important. We have to do both. What Morgan's saying is true, too. There are these rookies that get into the game of being a police officer because they want revenge. Or they want power. They want power. Mm -hmm. They were were thrown in a locker in high school. They want to take revenge on a certain demographic. Or they were the bully. They were the guy beating up everyone and and just wants... They miss that. Yes, they just want to bully other people. How do you stop that at the the head? That's it. Because we can discuss how you stop that. You would would think the interview process or the initial training process (laughs) would draw some of that out, There has to be a national referendum. This is the solution. You have to have an oversight committee, right? There has to be, from coast to coast, a national referendum on police training, including a heavy amount of psychological, psychological evaluation. We take yeah. eight years to become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. A lawyer can't cuff a person. A lawyer can't tame, uh, tase a person or shoot them or go into your house. Eight years to become a lawyer. Two months to become a cop? You would There's think a disconnect there. Wouldn't it be easier even in this era to do that? Because uh, we hear the stories of how, you know, you go apply at an office job and the recruiter, whoever's hiring you, is scoping out your social media long before to get a gist of who you really are before the interview process. Yeah, they don't do that with cops because then you hear the stories in some situations. Klansman. Exactly. Or uh, he has said some questionable things in the past regarding uh, some race or some uh, class of people. And still this person was allowed on the police force so there should be a stronger vetting system readily accessible in my opinion to not only prevent uh, new uh, academy folks coming on with shady backgrounds but also to get the ones that are in it right now 
quickly removed. Like there has to be that yeah. algorithm built in to say, hey, search so and so at the Seattle PD or well, the Minneapolis. It kind of goes back to holding people accountable, right? There's that whole, you know, if your partner is screwing up, you can't say anything negative about your partner because if the you culture. do. Yeah, because if you do, yeah, we've seen uh, training you're going to get ostracized, and yeah. you're, you know, then when you're on your own and you need help, no one's going to no respond gonna to you. No one's going to help you out because you sold your brothers out. Or yeah, you, so yeah, exactly. that mentality's got to go. The mentality should when be. When it's justified, yeah, it's got to go. The mentality should be we go, we do things the right way, and when you don't do things the right way, you shouldn't have any expectation. I'm not going to tell people you did it the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, you know part of the problem also is, too, is that, we don't get enough good, smart people becoming cops. You know why? Because they don't make shit. And there is that they problem make as well. I mean, so I don't make. They don't make a. F- I make twice I've, I've as seen, much. Well, I've seen the. Sh- I've seen the Indeed ads for Richardson police officers. It it is over fifty thousand yeah, dollars at I this point on onboarding them right off there the bat. There needs to be it's that all bad. over the. Co- that's Richardson. This is that's, that's true. You, you now do that sure. with South Dallas. Yes, it's it's a little <laughs> different. Or where I'm from, West Texas, they don't make shit. My point is, is that if, if you have a minimum all over the country of something around that range, and you give great holiday and pay incentives, if, if you treat the idea of a police officer the way it's supposed to be, which is a, to serve and protect a, 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 a public servant, um, and you pay them enough and make sure that they're taken care of more people will want to become cops that are are level-headed and that are genuinely good people and are doing it for the right reasons. Um, And I think that once you do that, when you have an overwhelming number of people, the increase of people that want to become cops, then you can filter those people out and better train them to do the job. But right now, we don't really do that, like we said. We we don't do a good enough job filtering people, like you said, that have these backgrounds that a fucking 12-year-old can get on Facebook and find this shit. And they do. They send it to Heavy, the websites that I follow that says, this cop was actually shown at a Klan rally. Yeah, right. This cop has said some really pedophilic comments no more than four months ago. Uh, and they, it, these, these kids are able to find insane shit about these people who never should have become cops in the first place. So the, question, the logical question is what you presented, which is, how the hell didn't they do that? Or did they not care? Mm-hmm. Did, was that not a red flag, him showing up at a fucking Klan rally? Him showing up at an alt-right rally or him making these disgusting comments about 12-year-old girls at a mall? Like That was the, one of the stories I saw. That the, one of these cops in the DFW was a fucking pedo. What if you escalate it uh, to the point where you have like an inside man who is on an oversight committee of some of these police departments? You have one of them per major... Or maybe you have one to five of them per major metro where they're sort of like undercover... Uh, Cops, <laughs> yeah, they're undercover cops, but their task is undercover to see how undercover internal affairs, yes, affairs internal yeah. affairs within the police departments to see how they're being handled, and those are appointed by like a federal at a federal level, FBI level. What if you do that? Do you do you end up with horror stories in the next five years about how some departments are, are run? You inevitably do. You have to though. Right. Well, yeah. I think that sheriff's department in Georgia. I think there was a vote to disband the entire department. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember if that passed or if that went through. But here, you're going to take a whole entire police department, and just do away with it. Well, I mean, 
you, can't do you that couldn't do that in a major ma- major well, metro because I'm sure it's not like seventy well, percent or anything like that. It's a small it's town, so it's run by very few people. But in like a city of Dallas or a city like Atlanta or Minneapolis, I don't see a reason why you can't have you know a handful of folks from a federal appointed position that are inserted into the system, no questions asked. Maybe the police commissioner um, knows about him, but certainly no one on the ground level knows them from Adam, and they're literally just like an academy graduate who is all of a sudden tasked to acquire as much information about the way that it's run and the individuals that are representing the city on a police level. I don't see a reason why systems like that can't occur. Like the departed. Yes. But within the police department instead of the mob. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, we because we got to start treating these district or not the yeah, the districts and the the cities and the um I don't know the the right terminology right now or it's it's eluding me, but we got to start treating them like little mini mobs. Yeah. Because this group of four individuals that were all canned, they were a mob when it came to this guy's life. They yeah. were they were the mob that that murdered were this guy. And they were a gang, and I'm sure that they've had discussions outside of it, maybe not in the racial realm or anything, but they've had discussions about their treatment of people and about citizens and about going too far sometimes and doing that, uh, just that sort of behavior. I'm uh, positive 100% that they've had discussions in that vein of what it's like uh, when you're encountered with someone who... May not be breaking the law, but you've got that authority and you've got that power. That's bragging to each other yeah, about the different types of things exactly. they do to people. Yes. Yeah. Tribal. And that sort of stuff, if you've got it on record, and if you're a narc, um, uh, but in a good sense, like a an actual professional narc that is doing a better service for the community as a whole, that should be adopted abroad, in my opinion. And that should have been done 30 years ago. I think it's coming. I really do. If it ain't already here, yeah, I don't see any reasons why it can't be. It c- certainly can't cost too much money to get like a group of 150 to 200 people nationwide to be inserted into random major police forces to gut out the corruption on a here's on a behavior level. Here's what I predict. Um, if Biden wins the nomination, you know, he's taking a lot of flack right now because he was the author of the 1993 crime bill. Um, I don't know where you were. You weren't in the U.S. <laughs> at the time. You're Canadian. Yeah, but it's just moved here. Well, I mean, the the crime bill that Biden basically came up with um, that he takes credit for. A lot of people consider it Orwellian. There was a lot of things about that bill. Part of it, I think, was ended up with the three strikes rule, where people were going to fucking prison for stealing a pizza. Yeah. So there was a lot of negative eventualities uh, from that crime bill that he brags about now, um, and it specifically dis- was proportionate when it comes to affecting men of color was the best thing in the world for private prisons. Don't get me wrong, but, right. it, but it hurt yeah. us more. Get but caught with a bag of weed two times and then get caught shoplifting, you're you're gone. People were going mm-hmm. away for stolen pizza yeah. in the late 90s. It was insane. So I think what's going to happen now is if he wins a nomination, I think part of his penance is going to be that his new bill that has to do that he's going to push is, is going to be, um, I don't know if I want to say maybe a penance for that. Uh, Atonement? Maybe, because even though he's not wanting to apologize it now, I think that by the time he gets into office, because of what's happened now, that's what's going to happen. Why doesn't he campaign off of that then? Because he's too much of a centrist to do so right now. But I think that this situation is going to force him to do that, like with most politicians. Did Hillary Clinton mention anything about Black Lives Matter until she was forced to? No. Is Joe Biden? No. 
I mean, he just what what he's just he's on the basically uh, under a microscope right now because of the dumb shit he said this week about if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So I think he's going to have some making up. Bad to timing, do. huh? God, man. Like, so he's going to have some making up to do. If he wins the nom- if he wins the presidency, I think what's going to happen is within the first year, he uh, or members of his administration, uh, the Biden administration, if you will, is going to push for a bill that is going to have to do with the national referendum on police training. Something that is uh, sort of a, yeah, maybe a penance for the, the crime bill that he came up with in the 90s because the environment's calling for it. The... Um the come up of the modern police system, or at least the most recent uh, sort of uprising of it, uh, can be correlated back to like the old West days, right? The sheriffs and uh, the way that the systems were brought up there. Like if we're looking at it uh, as far as the United States is concerned, that was like the earliest formation of the police states, right? I, d- I wouldn't think so. No. no, I mean it would. Yeah, it would have been been around during col- you know colonial times. You would have had city. Okay. Police. What I was going. Guard. What I was going with is that uh, a lot of the old west sheriffs. I know the Wyatt Earp, uh, the Earps, for example. They were heavy right-handed political sort of uh, influencers as well. They they wanted to. They wanted to bear arms. They wanted uh, everyone to be able to bear arms, but they also wanted it to be done their way. Like uh, when they came into Tombstone, for example, they wanted to take that city over as far as uh, the authority was concerned over that city. And they saw a lot of recklessness being gotten away with that they wanted to hammer down on. And they started, maybe this is just the movie, but this is probably also what really went down. They started just putting posters up around town about their way of doing things in the city of Tombstone. And that got the, uh, yeah, what were those guys? The Cowboys. That got the Cowboys pretty upset about it and that sort of heightened the conflict between the two. I don't think we're so far removed from seeing that very same thing happening out uh, with just citizens who have a way of going about their daily lives versus the police. And I think it's wild, wild west type thing out there. That's a funny, yeah, it's an interesting correlation. As wild, wild west as 2020 will allow it to be, yes. Because you can't have citizens versus police, guns versus guns anymore. It just, that... That's never going to happen. It's never going to be that sort of confrontation. Where everyone's carrying a gun, yeah, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. You can't have that. But you still have the animosity on each side. It is it is palpable. Like, it is very tense right now. And it's always it's been that way. It was like that in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, when that went down. It was like that with Rodney King, the L.A. riots. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just... It's even remove race from the whole situation. If this... G- it's weird because we never see it, uh, but if this guy was a 19-year-old white kid that died at the hands of this, I think it's the same reaction uh, from a lot of folks. I do, I think maybe not the protest. Part maybe of not it, the protest part because yes, I think because there's, there's the history. There's a there's yes. a background for why the protests have gotten up to that point. We're Colin Kaepernick was kneeling two years ago to protest this sort of behavior, but the. Um, the mishandling of it is probably treated the same way. Yeah, I agree. So that tells me something. It tells me that uh, it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be treated as a racial thing. It can just be police needs, 
reform. They don't need reform because they've killed a ton of black people over the last 20 they years, which they general. have. You they just mis- need it. Yeah, you're mistreating citizens. Reform. That's it. So you take the whole, because the bait, it's a race bait thing, right? Because if you make it a race thing, then you'll always be able to fight for uh, the the police side of things. You'll always be able to side with them and say, oh, but look at the crime numbers. Look at the crime numbers in the inner city. They are, for the, ma- for the majority of the stats, it's all African-American driven. And so the, we, we have to empathize with the police officers who stop gangs and stop robberies on a daily basis. And they're unsure the next guy they pull over if he's carrying a gun on him. That old patsy that people run with when these sorts of things, you remove it from the entire equation. You take the ammo away, and you say it's not about any of that. And so, in in a weird way, Morgan started this whole conversation with, like, you have to take the ability for police officers to do this sort of thing away from them. And I think that's where the true revolutionary change can happen and can happen very quickly. We didn't see any of these news stories in the three months that we were locked down because there was no crime in the streets, or at least there wasn't any. Didn't seem that it way. It didn't seem right? that way. Well, although the Georgia thing happened in February, maybe? It March? did, but that wasn't yeah. police uh, involved. That true, that wasn't police. Those were just citizens. Right. Yeah. So that should be a preview of what it can be like if. <laughs> If people just r- take every little bit that the cops are waiting to chomp at the bit, drive drive the cops out of business, drive them, leave them no crime. I know that's that's a very utopian thing to say. Very like, demolition man. D- yeah, yeah. <laughs> just remove crime completely. Yeah, it is demolition man. Uh, that that main guy's name. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with over the next. 100 years maybe not seeing the sort of the clamping down that the police has in these major metro areas and seeing cops on every corner maybe you see less folks maybe you just see a 50 percent reduction in police officers by being the accountable responsible citizens that we would like to see in the last 10 years i haven't i haven't committed a crime i haven't done anything illegal but prior you haven't <laughs> but prior I speak for yourself but 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 prior <laughs> But prior to that, I had done some things to where if the police officer on that day that I was wandering around my uh, apartment complex sees my ID and he runs my history, he sees a record of me having you know marijuana possession here or a speeding ticket here or whatever it was. So he sees that. So he has a bias. But if he doesn't have that, I don't know if my situation and altercation goes completely differently. I don't know what this gentleman, George Floyd's track record was or his police record or if he had any at all. I haven't found shit. Really, it shouldn't matter, right? It shouldn't, but it does does to them. It does to the narrative that they're able to distract us with. And it does to the actual officers as well who run your plates or they run your driver's license. That's their... That's their... uh, Recruitment... Or the recruiter moment. their, Their moment where they get to very in a fast track way learn everything they can about you and the person they're about to encounter which they have to do to a certain degree if you just take that all away from them then things can go completely differently in my opinion but, but you know what the, the problem is that it's not the reason it's not going to happen is because there's two types of crime we have in this country there's blue collar crime and there's white collar crime yeah we know the way white collar crime is treated 
Dave Chappelle did a brilliant skit on that when it comes to how people who are working on Wall Street do fucked up shit and how they're treated compared to like the worst somebody who's selling pot in the corner of the street. Well, we know we know all about Jeffrey Epstein now. We know about white collar crime. We do now, but we've we've known about it forever. It doesn't negate the fact that they're still treated better. A guy who I know right now is selling cocaine. Who lives in a mansion? Yeah, is not going to be. He treated should be. The same his way. door should be busted down. But there should be. There should be. Compared to the kid around the corner who's selling pot and says, "Hey man, why are you here asking me for? Who's going to get tased? Who's going to yeah. get the shit knocked out of him?" My point is this: that there's two types of crime. Blue collar crime is not ever going to go away until economic um, equilibrium. Well, equality is. Man, is drugs got to go away. Drugs are a major well, part legality of legality. How about that? How about we don't bust somebody or beat the shit out of them because they have an ounce of pot? Yeah, what happens if well, weed is let, legal across you the board? let that go, but that's not really the one that I that I would think that needs to go away. Well, I would think then it's, it's the major. stronger drugs. Right? Then those people do need deserve deserve other quick punishment. Send, other other countries send drug users though to fucking rehab. They get rehabilitated over here. We we treat it like a crime, and it is a disease. Do I feel sorry? Uh, for everybody who's a drug user, no. A lot of it is your your own choice. But do I think that you should have the shit beat out of you and being thrown into prison, left to suffer? No, I don't think that either. So I think that, the, again, the, the whole system needs a reform. Man, does it ever. Because it's not going away. I mean, it's not. I mean, the, 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 the What happens if it does go away, though? Well, the what happens if you, you put a hard clamp on, uh, on the... F- Actual, rather than just talking about it like we hear every president talk about, what if you do put a clamp down on the inflow of drugs, cocaine, heroin, the manufacturing of uh, opioids, and even on a prescription level? Why would you if there's so many white collar criminals that love cocaine? What the fuck incentive does the government have to do that when they're buddies? They're guys who are giving them money from Wall Street who are the part of the donor class. That are giving these politicians money who are using cocaine, what the fuck incentive do they have to stop cocaine from coming into this country? I mean, it's it's there's there's a show going on. It's mm-hmm. Kabuki Theater. Democrat and Republican are going on TV right now talking about how drugs are horrible. Nancy Reagan was talking about you know just say no. Meanwhile, her fucking husband <laughs> Reagan yeah. and the CIA it came out were helping bring that shit into the fucking country. That wasn't. A conspiracy theory that came out that the CIA has been involved in the drug business for years. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, this this idea of what, what yeah, since Vietnam, fun? since at least Vietnam. So I mean, what the, this this idea that we can yeah, what if we just if we just clamp it all down? No, man, it's there. Yeah, that is a little naive uh, to to suggest. I wish I could do a Thanos myself and just snap <laughs> my fingers to make all the drugs, all the plants go away in this country. Y- you would. Do better in getting the people to not use drugs right. than to stop the drugs from coming in. Because if you kill the, the demand, uh, the supply would dwindle. Yeah. But so many people just want to be high. Mm-hmm. It's Which weird. I'm not saying I don't empathize with, but for fuck's sake, you know, not if it costs somebody their lives. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can, again, again, nuance. Nuance. Sasha. Like, it's, it's like a pothead around the corner who's had a long day. He's probably growing it from another guy around the corner. Isn't affecting me. Um, when you buy cocaine that's coming from Mexico, that's empowering the cartels, the Colombians to cut off people's fucking heads. Yeah, that's a f- that's affecting somebody terribly. So I think that there needs to be that n- nuanced 
view realistically of what dr- the term drugs to me is so broad. Yeah. I mean, the, the opioid <coughs> epidemic right now is destroying the red states. Have you guys looked into that? What's happening over there? Yes. West Virginia, Georgia, South Carolina. I mean, they're being decimated by opioids that are th- pills. This is from the pharmaceutical companies, guys. This isn't some shit that's coming from Colombia or Mexico. There's soccer moms right now I was <laughs> reading about that are secretly having an opioid addiction from pills from the pharmaceutical companies. They're they're prostituting themselves to go buy these fucking prescription drugs. And it's it's fucking insane what's going on. But these are from the drug companies in the US. This is again from Colombia. So how do you stop that crime? Again it comes down to two sides of the coin. You can be that ultra police state sort of uh, nation or you can rely on the improvement of the individual who is the choice maker at the end of the day to put that drug and that pill in their body. The alternative to all of that is you're a bystander and you let things work out the way that they will, but even, I I hate that, uh, that bystander mentality these days because all it does is it, um, it, it perpetuates throughout time. Like, each generation is in indoctrinated into this world where drugs just exist and they have to be tolerated in their reality because they've been for 20 years, 30 years, hundreds of thousands of years, whatever. There's nothing, in my opinion, that says we can't figure things out, yeah. like where we're at in time right now. We can't come up with solutions, even if they're even if they seem oppressive to the current psychology of people. And that's the weird part to navigate in 2020 is that you can say a lot of stuff and you can offend people very quickly or you can infringe upon their freedoms very quickly. Well, but that's not your intention. Your intention is to curb the irrespective way they were handling their freedom. I don't think that a lot of the freedoms that people... Um, like to enjoy on a day-to-day basis are what the ideas of what freedom were meant to be in the first place. Right. I I think that is uh, a result of freedom going unchecked for such a long period of time. And that's, by definition, freedom should be unchecked, right? But as soon as freedom is observed to be going in the wrong direction, that's where I think you had an opportunity to come down on it and say, uh, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't what we meant by land of the free, home of the brave, do whatever the fuck you want to do with your day. <laughs> that, that's not, this is the result now that, that future generations have to deal with and endure. And w- when we talk about drugs, it, it gets even uglier, right? Because if your mom or your dad or your, uh, who you live with is addicted to one of these drugs, you have that immediate effect that residual effect even cigarette smoking that which nicotine is clearly a drug alcoholism uh, they they all have immediate impacts on future generations that shouldn't necessarily have to even be um, affected affected by your poor decision making and they didn't have to be if something had come along and said you're not free enough you're you're not you're not in a state of, of psych- psychological capability to where you have the right to make this decision for the ramifications that are going to come down from it. Yeah. And, and that's where talking about something like coronavirus gets very interesting 
because I don't want to jump ship from the drugs. I, I want to tie them in together. When I ask people, you think you have the right to get me sick and my daughter sick or anybody sick, my yeah. friends sick, my family, you think you have the freedom to walk around and get people sick. I vehemently disagree. And I'm willing to clamp down in a authoritarian sort of police state style of lockdown or just like regulations that you're just going to have to deal with if you think you do have the freedom to do that to the point where if you are caught, if, if the thing, if COVID blows up in the fall and doubles up uh, in number of cases very quickly and everybody is mandated in their homes and we see a harder uh, lockdown than we saw in the spring, which is possible. It, it depends on the way it goes. But if people are not allowed to leave, and then we do see the sort of patrolling uh, neighborhoods that are citing people with citations for leaving their house, good. Good. Especially without masks. Especially without preventative measures and PPE. If you see that level of negligence out there in the midst of a pandemic, it's the same thing as if you're a drug user and you come home and you don't give a shit about being high in front of your kids or drinking a bottle a day in front of your kids. You have no compassion for the world around you and you are not afforded the same rights as the rest of the world who is responsible of their surroundings and does care about the future of their country, their home, etc., there should, in a weird way, there should be a hierarchy of freedoms that people are allowed to uh, possess on a, not on a physical level, on a psychological level. The freedom of choice should not be something that everyone has, especially if you're in a state where your psychology is hindered by drugs and alcohol. I think we, don't we kind of acknowledge that right now, though, as a society? I mean, don't we have psychological tests for people to become, we don't do it for presidency, but... Don't we have psychological <laughs> tests for people to be in certain positions of power? Sure. We have license. You have to have a license to drive. You have to have a license to sell alcohol. You have to have a license to fish. Yeah, I have to have a special license. We all do because we all wear glasses. I have, a, have to have a license. We have to have a little letter on our license that says this guy, if he's not wearing his glasses, shouldn't be driving. And it w what kind of disastrous would it be if we did away with all that? Yeah, w what, what if I could drive without my glasses? I'd get in an accident within the first... <laughs> Okay. All three of us, like, with a driver's glasses. Look, if I break the law tomorrow and I get in my car and I drive without my glasses, I made a decision that uh, was a selfish one, and I didn't even care about my well-being or my daughter in the backseat's well-being. Or it's the, the, the kid will cross in the street who you can't fucking see and is going to It's the over, same yeah. thing when we're talking about just people in general having access to the realms of freedom that America affords, which are the real reasons why so many people love this country. I know I'm for one of them. You you have the right to, if you are a sensible, knowledgeable, intellectual, and, and it, it just makes sense, and you've got it figured out, the world is your oyster, man. Go for it. But the guy doing lines of cocaine <laughs> months on end or drinking a bottle a night, nah, or... Even I get I get pretty harsh when it comes to fast food eaters and people who oaf around. You do want Screw the demolition you. man look, fucking future. Look, I do want the demolition so man I future. Do not you. But I want the demolition <laughs> man future. 
I want the demolition man. Morgan's like, you've got to. <laughs> you're not going to take my Whataburger <laughs> away, bro. Monster. That's not what I want. Uh, I, I want the guy who goes to Whataburger every day to have no impact on like uh, health regiments. Yeah, you should um, get in front of me in the hot emergency room. You yes. Put your ass there with a heart attack. Exactly. You, you shouldn't have a fast lane to disability at age 50 or 60 because you're, you've been eating Whataburger for There's the last so 30 years. There's so much fat surrounding your heart and liver <laughs> yeah. compared to my 70-year-old grandpa. Exactly. Or you shouldn't be getting in the way of healthcare for all because you can get a like job shit. that that is okay with you treating your body like shit. Not you. You know what I mean. Not you exactly, Morgan. Not you exactly. <laughs> People like you. If with, by, the way we're, by, by the way we're talking, you would think that Morgan is white-haired and weighs 500 pounds. Nah. And he's not. He looks young and nah, he's, he's skinny a, as he's, shit. He's bearded up. Not that skinny. Although you, I have lost weight during COVID. You don't, you don't look like you've eaten any junk food. You're skinny as fuck right now. I'm the one that's gaining weight. <sighs> Damn sandwiches. Like 190-ish. I don't look it. Which normally I've looks, been around 200. Skinny. You both look skinny as shit. I've gained a fuck ton of That's weight. That's weird because I, I had pizza Patron tonight. <laughs> 599, 499 pizza we, or whatever. 699, yeah. But yeah, uh, going, 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 going to what you're saying, I, I agree. But I think that you, you're on the same level as most people in our society. Most people in our society love the idea of freedom. We've just logically acknowledged that that freedom... Is, is yours to do with whatever you please? But it cannot affect not. others. As long as it doesn't affect others, we have the right to regulate so-called said freedoms. Right. You don't have. The, you can't. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. We know that. You can't drive, especially if there is none. Right. You can't. You can't. Can't um, travel without your glasses. Can't travel without your glasses. You have to have a license to drive. You you have to have a license in some states to own a certain type of firearm. Not here in Texas. But so so we acknowledge for the most part here in the US that your freedoms though it's something that we hold as the in high regard uh are trivial when it comes to the safety of others and that's not a bad thing. So I I think we're on the same level of when it, all three of us when it comes to shit like the coronavirus. But there's an unfortunate number of people who don't see it that way? Who who, who see this? That's as why I'm pro police state being accelerated <laughs> in the next year or two. Um I am I'm all for it. Come down it's on these people with every type of surveillance that <laughs> is within the realms of the Patriot Act or whatever's in the pipeline uh, post Corona, because there will be something that allows for. I don't even consider it a police state. I think I think it's it's telling. Look, there is a literally a worldwide pandemic. A hundred thousand Americans have died. If if you're fucking ass who's 40 years old, can't get past their junior high mentality or think it's awesome, you want to go to a bar right now or a pool party, fuck you. Yeah, or go ahead and go. But if you come down with a thing, there should be something that tells me you came down with it, and then next time I go to Kroger and we walk in at the same time and we're sharing the same bread aisle, I should know that you've got it so that I don't even pull up to that Kroger in the first place. (laughs) Uh, Now... (laughs) Versace like they have to throw the whole store away now. I yeah, well, I <laughs> boy, if I was a competitor of Kroger, I would try to identify their normal users and tag them. Sure. <laughs> or or you have a designated Kroger that's for all the COVID uh, patients, have the asymptomatic folks. The, the differences cuz you're a Tom Thumb fan, aren't you? Oh, I hate Tom Thumb. Okay, yeah, I'm that's joking. The worst. Yeah. yeah I, okay, here's the thing guys, I've noticed cuz I go to I go everywhere to see the differences. Walmart doesn't seem to give a shit about masks. 
when I go to Walmart, at least the one over there on uh, the, the neighborhood one, yeah. I, I see a lot of people just don't not wearing it. When I go to Target, there's a culture there of people wearing them. When you go to Tom Thumb right now, you can't even walk into the fucking store without. You better ask everybody wearing a mask. Quite interesting. And so there's the... There'll be a shooting there soon. <laughs> <laughs> God dang. Hopefully not. Well, how many shootings have we had because people were asked to put on a mask? We've had a lot. Right? Mm. You had the dollar store security guard that got gunned down. Yes. There's like... Yes, there's like four or five incidents of like gunplay. Yes, from or people at least, being asked at least physical altercations. Yes. Uh, I don't know what the lady at Red Lobster's deal I was. I saw that video because it was funny. Uh, a world star. But yeah, uh, there there have been a it's lot. A, if you're at a sit down restaurant, like was she sitting down at the table? I hadn't seen this. Uh, or was she just picking up to go? No, there's no background as to why. It was just sort of you're, the video if you're of her in after. a restaurant sitting down at a table. I gotta eat. I gotta take my mask off. Yeah, I don't think that had anything no, no, to do no, no, with okay. the mask. It it is, the, the lady was the lady was going into Red Lobster and she didn't want to wear the mask at all, and so they kicked her out. And she started trying to have a physical fight with the manager. Gotcha. And yeah. the other one was it was a sit down restaurant because it was a sit down restaurant that was open. They had um, social distancing, so like every other booth was open. And this lady was coughing. The, the other video I saw was the lady was coughing without covering her mouth, and the guy and his little girl were sitting there, you know, about ten feet away, going, hey, "Ma'am, you know, could you cover your mouth because you're actually." Doing when you're moving your head, you're doing it in hard direction. Yeah. She lost her collective shit and goes, <coughs> and watch. She, he, the guy got the lady on video. The lady walks up to the guy and coughs in his fucking face. And the manager was just like, man, I need you to get the hell out of here. Logically, he fucking said, <laughs> please get the hell out of here. You're fucking crazy. So I think that, remember how I said weeks ago, guys, how this virus is putting all aspects of life under a micro- microscope? Yes. That includes a certain part of our population that has a fuck you. I'm an American mentality. You don't yes. tell me anything to do. Yeah. You don't tell me to wear a mask. You don't tell me to not social distance. If I want to drink and be in a pool party, I'm going to fucking do it. And the reason I think that they feel so empowered to do it is because right now we have a guy who's basically saying, telling a reporter, we're going to now it's going to a segue to his stupidity, <laughs> telling a reporter, uh, why are you wearing a mask when you're asking me a question? Well, I just want to. Oh, you're being politically correct. What? The yeah. fuck does not spreading a virus or taking into consideration spreading your spit have to do with being politically correct? It's been how, how did he push that narrative? It's been interesting. I think he's at this point he's just got to uh it's his story and he's got to stick to it. I think if he goes back on anything that he said, even if he knows that he's in the wrong, uh he loses a lot of of his following because his following at this point is very, very cult-like. Um, it's it's unavoidable at this point. Um, they are hinging on his every word, and you could see it, the trickle-down well, effect. they are using his words as a shield for their behavior. That's one in, side in the of same it. Way, uh, in the same way that someone might say, I'm doing this because of my religion, uh, they're, they're, you know, I, I've talked That's about this a little... Yeah, I've talked yeah. about this before. It's it's no one will say I'm doing this because I want to do it. They they're trying to provide a, a some sort of shield that you can't attack against, and so they're taking advantage of it. They're taking advantage of it, but that's one aspect of it. What if they're actually psychologically being uh, affected by it as well? I mean, it's it, if if they no look up to him. No one just wants to say I'm going to do what I want to do. But right? if they look up to him as an actual leader, and if they actually believe that he is in the right in a lot of this, then they are going to treat him as a leader, and they're going to treat him as an example for how they should behave. 
that's that's like just the basics of it. If you see somebody who you... I don't know that the population's behavior is based on the president's behavior. He, I... I Hmm. Never observed that at all. I don't think. I think you might be underestimating Morgan. <coughs> the number of people I, that genuinely do what they do because of because him. of who the president is. Now, I'm not saying you uh, were like that, but there was a large constituency of people when Obama was president that they wanted to be the. Um, but they already wanted to be that way, right? But the fact that he was. It's what you just said. The fact that he was there, it empowered their behavior even more. So these people wanted to be like Trump is right now long, long ago. But now that an idiot is actually there (laughs) and saying idiotic things, it substantiates the fact that they're idiots. And they've got a beacon, uh, the highest beacon of influence uh, over this country that says it's okay to be an idiot and be wrong all the time. Actually, it's so okay that freedom of speech should allow it to to be o- tolerated especially on social media which is a whole another side of things i don't even know that freedom of speech should be permissible on social media because no there should be social media police and yes. you should be yes banned and kicked off yes stupid th- if all your if your tweet is m- is misinformed if facts exist and it your tweet is outside of the realms of cat facts, videos get the fuck <laughs> off social oh, excuse me get the hell off social yeah, media that's like the first curse word we got out of him tonight and it was because of cats <laughs> yeah wonderful movie uh, wait, well, how, do, how do you of all people get so indignant with cat videos? Yeah, right. Like <laughs> just because I just you don't think have it's a, a super waste. Of t- it's like it it's like social media small talk. It's, it's co- so it's 2005. It, but it's, it's it's cotton candy for the internet. It's not meant to be taken. Yeah, seriously. so it doesn't need to be there. <laughs> He's right. It's, it's like um, the internet is irresponsible. More lights on a Christmas tree. I mean, do you really need more lights? Who the hell you are you to say that I can't uh, have that many lights, I Morgan? Know, I'm an American. <laughs> Saying when I'm here's it's funny that this is what we're wanting. I wanted to get to yeah the freedom of speech argument. Here's the thing though, I hate it when people say that you're messing up my First Amendment rights. People who say that don't understand the First Amendment. The First Amendment has to do with the government, the government coming in and saying that you can't say something or the press can't do something. Not a private company, right? Not a private company. Yeah. So on private company who gives you the platform and has for the last ten years to spew your mouth and basically have a track record of 10% accuracy, yeah. at least as far as the president, uh, w- during his time as a president. Even further back, we've always, uh, there's the, the there's new... There's a lot of people pushing a lot of bullshit on Twitter. Yeah, and there's always a tweet for Trump, like in 2012, where you're saying something about Obama that he's actually contradicted in his in his. Yeah, he thought Obama should step down because of three people or four dying. Ebola. Of Ebola. Right. Uh. <laughs> there's there, there's always a tweet. There's a tweet for everything. But, but did you know about the Joe Scarborough thing? What's going on right now with him? And why uh, he got fact checked? No, you know I, I've I've heard yeah that he threw out a uh, conspiracy theory that Joe Scarborough, who's like a co-host on Morning Joe, right, yeah, which is show, uh, yeah. a left dri- more politically left than right, which is show. interesting because Joe's a heavy Republican. Yeah, he's a heavy Republican, but he disagrees with <coughs> Trump a lot. And um, there's this story which may or may not have any merit to it at all. <laughs> About uh, an intern of his, uh, an, an inter- assistant, an, an assist, uh, a member of his staff when he was in Congress had died. That part is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some validity to the story that they might have had an affair. That part's true. There's absolutely nothing that indicates he Foul had anything play? to do with her death. Um, they had. Or- there's already been recent. 
the police. But let's be fair. <laughs> let's be fair. If this were flip-flopped, we would certainly be interested in finding out more about it. We weren't interested in about it 20 years ago when it happened because we knew that those situations sometimes were true. Right. This goes back to your white-collar crimes. Uh, Joe yes. Scarborough is not immune from being perhaps a perpetrator of a white-collar crime. Of course he's not. Joe Scarborough is probably has been guilty of a few <laughs> white-collar crimes. He looks it? like he has. No, Joe Scarborough probably has an eight ball under his desk <laughs> right now. Bless his heart. What I'm saying is, though, is that there's, there's, th- this was looked at 20 years ago. This was a yeah. conspiracy theory people forgot about 20 years ago because they couldn't find any dirt on him. You don't think the DNC, in, in their prime in the 90s, of all people, when they were in their prime, would have nailed Joe Scarborough to the fucking wall? Man. I mean, it's just amazing how much we have to talk about uh, a week after the country's reopened, and there's, there's so much. It, all it took was the reopening of America for all of these. Trashy stories to resurface, yeah, wonderfully spilling and coming out. back. Yeah, even the even the space you have. We haven't touched on Joe Rogan at all, who we should be talking about a lot because uh, a hell of a he deal, got a hundred and a hundred million dollars Spotify deal, yep. and he's had uh, a growing podcast for quite some time now. But man, that is um, that's a stamp and seal on the direction I think that uh, podcasting is going to take in the coming years and they were quick to realize what they had with well they didn't have they wanted the exclusive with joe rogan as far as uh, spotify's they could afford it power to them they could afford it and their stock jumped as soon as they announced that too and i'm on both sides of the fence when it comes to him i don't think he does anything too special i think he's a much better listener than someone like me is (laughs) when it comes to uh entertaining guests and and giving them a platform to share their story and and who they are and the experts that he has on that show. It's a pretty... I equate it to TED Talks. I I think it's just a a new age version of TED Talks that appeals to people who have six hours a day to listen to him. And apparently there's a ton of people that do. I only... I cherry-pick Joe Rogan episodes. Same here. And uh, the folks that I'm interested in hearing from, as soon as I hear Catch Wind that they're going to be on his show, I check them out. But I don't... I don't care about Kevin Hart on Joe Rogan. I don't care about Tony Hawk on Joe Rogan. Yeah. I, I know Shame a lot of, the, huh? I know a lot of these guys' stories. I'm a Wikipedia away from from knowing everything I need to know about Kevin Hart. I don't need to hear him. I don't need to hear his diet. Uh, Talk about Tony Hawk. Oh, Tony Hawk. Yeah. I heard it was a good episode, but uh, again, it would take me three and a half hours. But again, I'm asking people to give us three and a half hours, so it's it, it's weird. But um, I'm. I guess I'm happy for the the highest ranking podcaster up to this point getting that sort of lucrative amount. It was to eventu- it was inevitable. Yeah, it was inevitable. Um, there's that. There's also the SpaceX deal with Elon Musk. Um, that fucking idiot. Yeah, he's a genius. You guys need he to was. back off. No, what makes you say he's a genius, sir? Or are you just being facetious? He's genius. Oh. That's that's a facetious face. Yeah, that, yeah, you guys don't see Morgan's <laughs> face, but his mustache curl uh, clearly indicated yeah, clearly that it was sarcasm. His child's name is cle- certainly indicates genius. I have yeah, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the guy's a freaking genius. Uh, that that launch cost fifty five million dollars to do absolutely nothing today. Well, there was lightning, bro. You want to hear some conspiracy? Mm-hmm. Elon, Elon Musk I- and Joe Rogan are chummy chummy. And I think both of them are chummy chummy with 
other individuals that are high ranking, and I think they were major proponents and still are uh, for treating this corona thing a little less serious than it really is. I know Elon had that tweet a long time ago, uh, early March, about coro- still tweeting coronavirus shit. panic being dumb. I know Elon Musk and Donald Trump, as far as economic standing, uh, economic standing is concerned, have had conversations about this. Much like Mark Cuban and Donald Trump, I'm sure, have had conversations about this. But Did I know Elon Musk and Joe Rogan smoked pot with each other for two and a half hours in August and recently had an episode as well. There's a sphere of influence that yeah. is commandeering the narrative of this, and it is... Uh, I'm okay with it. Go ahead. I, I don't care. That's the stuff I don't care anymore about. Like, I don't care about honing in on that sphere of influence that's taking authority over the direction of which it goes anymore. I just don't care. But you do care about, both of you, um, companies like Twitter calling people out when they're pushing bullshit on their platform. I love it. That they get called yep. out. Yep, that's the other side. Yeah, that's the side that Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, as soon as they get a chance, are going to gonna hate and are going to bring guests he's on. He's already. Yeah. Um, uh, he was recently, Rogan got called out, and I'm, I'm, Rogan is going to, he's the type to his credit that he is going to say, hey, I was wrong, but he recently got called out for the whole Obamagate thing. Two talking points of Obamagate were that Michael Flynn was unmasked, which the Washington Post proved didn't happen, and that supposedly the Trump administration wasn't warned by Obama that Flynn was compromised. That turned out to be untrue, too. They went straight to the Trump administration, told him, hey, hey this guy's compromised. You can't fucking trust him. So that was over. I mean, the Washington Post did a good job showing that it was bullshit. Now, Joe Rogan was like, yeah, man, Obamagate's real, and you got to watch Jimmy Dore's show. Jimmy Dore's a crazy fucking left. I'm on the left, and I can't stand Jimmy Dore. He's, he's, he's fucking crazy. Joe Rogan's got friends like Eddie Bravo who Who's come on. crazy <laughs> shit. And, and you think I take conspiracy theories far. You listen to an Eddie Bravo video, and I like Eddie Bravo, though. That's a weird thing. Dude, Eddie I like, Bravo's Of course you do. I like the way... <laughs> I like the way that his his mind doesn't care about how far he takes things. But Eddie Bravo himself certainly goes home, listens to what he just said. Does and says, he? Holy shit! I was a little, I was a little no, off. No, he doesn't. Day. I don't think he does, man. <laughs> I think he's fucking crazy. <laughs> I think he goes home and he's the type that's yeah, man. I was talking to Joe about flat earthers, man. I, I think, think got I got, I think I won him over this time. Yeah, man. Okay, so here, here's the thing: <laughs> jo- you can win Joe Rogan over very quickly, is what I'm saying. He is a wishy-washy kind of guy, and right now he is being won over. He's on like the anti-corona is serious bandwagon until the fall comes. fully, and unfortunately, he's got a hundred million dollar backing uh, now, and he's also got an audience of millions, and yeah. Again, I don't I don't care anymore about the influence and the sphere of influence because whatever will happen will happen and it was all inevitable anyways and Elon Musk yeah. right now doesn't have the following he once did. About four or five years ago I was a great admirer of Elon Musk. I think most of us were. But I think that over the past couple of years we've seen sort of his eccentric his bullshit. The real side of the well, real side of Elon his fucking bullshit. Like right like yeah. people were tweeted Tweets that have aged terribly by Elon Musk. He's just a new age celebrity. He's um, see what he named his kid. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, it. No, no. Th- does anybody? Genius. What? What is it? <laughs> I don't remember, but it has Roman numerals, so it's it has a, to be genius. It's a quantum equation, isn't it, or something it's like it's that? Some, crazy. some weird arithmetic. Whatever. I don't think so. I don't think it was. It had to do with like the rocket, right? Can you can you pronounce that fucking name? 
I, you know, but the, the good thing about <laughs> it is that his kid will never have to put his name on a resume. You right? can't say his name. That's right. the problem. He's, what's your name? Uh, I really can't pronounce it. Yeah. Is it X-A-E-A-12. Is that what it is? Oh, they had to put Roman numerals in it, right? I don't even know. What's the point? Why? He's so edgy. He's so edgy. He's well, not. because they don't allow <laughs> dashes and accent marks or something goofy. They, yeah. I don't know. More, more power to him. I mean... We 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 we, we not, talked why about. Why not name his kid Espen and just get it over with? You know, that'd have been more logical. That's a stupid name. Well, my point is that, is that one thing I do like about it is that does Twitter technically have the right as a company to do whatever the fuck you bet. they want? Yeah, technically they have the right to do whatever yeah. they want. Should they have double standards? No. If my 15-year-old cousin gets Twitter banned or gets put in Twitter jail because he's pushing things that are turn out to be untrue, sure. Why the hell shouldn't the president? Yeah. And, and right now, Twitter itself should be called out on having certain double standards. You bet. That the fact that they're letting certain celebrities get away with the shit, including the president, you bet. that regular people cannot get away with. You bet. I mean, it's fucking crazy. It, uh, the, the fresh discussion, the fact that Trump is threatening to come down with an executive order because against social media, because he got fact-checked, and there's some merit behind the fact-checking as well. We're talking about mail-in voting, uh, and his understanding of it has been just <coughs> irrefutably incorrect and inaccurate the whole time, and he continues to push the narrative much like he does, even, even when he's wrong, even when he's wrong, and that sphere of influence continues to perpetuate. And it's almost as if it's like a micro version of flat Earth. If Trump comes out and says the Earth is flat, and he continues to press it and press it and press it and press it, <coughs> Eventually, you're going to gather a crowd of people who are on yes. board with that. And so if you do this with small microcosmic uh, details of the law and of how voting works and of understanding of uh, just the Constitution and even rights, you erode at what the actual reality is over time if that person continues and continues and continues and is not stopped. And yes. this goes back to that freedom of speech discussion. No, I don't think the president has the uh, ubiquitous freedom to just hop on social media and talk about whatever he wants and whatever style he wants. If the facts exist and they are contradictory of what he says, the facts preside over his opinion and his narrative of it. That's just the deal. And if no one's willing to come along or if reading... Uh, the doctor who comments on <laughs> on each of the, the Asian guy, yeah, the Asian he's guy awesome. who's always at the top, Eugene, whatever his name yeah. is, he's always the top commenter. If that doesn't get through to you, the the glaring orange or whatever uh, Twitter's proposing takes place over the next year uh, that highlights tweets that are in disagreement with the the reality, reality of things. If you get a color coded tweet, Morgan, if it's Orange, uh, j just like the, the way we handle the weather. If it's yellow, it's a little less inaccurate. And if it's orange or red, it's severely inaccurate and out of line. I'm cool with it. How funny that it's going to be orange. I wonder if that's the pick on his skin. Did they say <laughs> it was going to be orange <laughs> if it's bullshit? Yeah. I'm not, it, I'm not kidding. Is, did they say it was going to be like an orange highlight? The rollout, which was pre-coronavirus, was February. I remember seeing it at work. Uh, it was rumored to be orange. Ironic. On Twitter. Oh, there's... Yeah. Yeah. Facebook Wink. wants no part of this. Mark Zuckerberg has already run the Fox News earlier today and said Twitter is mishandling this and uh, Facebook does not want to be the arbiter of truth or... Uh, well, yeah, uh, th these are exact 
Laura Ingraham, uh, or Laura, however you pronounce Laura her, Ingram. her name, uh, interviewed Mark Zuckerberg, who, it's no surprise, again, he's in that circle. Uh, there's a Zuckerberg-Joe Rogan uh, interview coming up in the pipeline, guaranteed, because he's in that sphere of influence now to where he's had closed-door meetings with the president in the last two to three months. He uh, was part of that big tech discussion where Trump invited a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs and big tech guys to discuss the future of the country very early on in this corona crisis. Are there any... Tech? I don't want to be conspiracy about it, but it's... There's it's not a, that's not, that's, that's not a conspiracy. That's not a conspiracy theory at all. Zuckerberg is in Trump's pocket, um, and Elon Musk is in Trump's pocket. Joe Rogan is in Trump's pocket. They're all forming this like weird mafia of influence that is going to be bent on controlling the narrative, and it's going to get away with it because... People want to be led, and they don't want to I've be leaders. And here you're going to have these makeshift leaders that emerge out of this as the voices of authority, not Trump per se, but the guys who can get away with what Trump doesn't get away with because they seem a little bit more, you know, head-on-shoulders type of guys like Joe Rogan, like Elon Musk, like Mark Zuckerberg. Well, you know, the, the They're going to—these guys are going to be your, uh, your future— Leaders? Leaders. Well, you know, the good news is, though, is that the reason I think that that could be such a terrible eventuality, but it's probably not going to happen, is because people are tearing Elon Musk a new one every day on Twitter. He's become a joke. It's not like it he was has. five years ago. But he's still genius. Um, <laughs> but then you see a thing like SpaceX, and everybody's glued to their TV to see two guys going to space because like it's technology. the first private private uh, launching of of any astronauts okay big deal i i am pretty uh conspiracy driven when it comes to that i mean you've heard my criticisms of the space program on previous episodes or maybe actually our audience hasn't but you guys have because we didn't release that one i don't think we've done anything really great uh, as far as nasa is concerned or as far as space exploration is concerned in the last 20 to 30 years you can count the mars rover and the quote-unquote <coughs> pictures it sent back if <laughs> the, look there's a lot of stuff that uh why it could all be white collar crime it could all be make-believe morgan but the reality is we were we're on pace to send a couple of astronauts to the space station and all of a sudden it's the biggest technological space advancement in the last decade no, it's just sold to us like that. Exactly. Yeah. But you see through it, but there's a ton of people that don't. And well, uh, there's a ton of people glued I mean to the TV that think it is the biggest thing to happen in their lifetimes as far as space is concerned. The it's rating? not the biggest thing, but it is a it is a significant thing that's happening. Are those people, do they only care about the rockets and the, the fire coming out of the engine? Are they going to pay any attention to what happens to those two astronauts after no. the three minutes? Okay. No, it's, so it's about then it's not big. It's not a big deal. It's just a bunch of loud noises and explosions, and that's why people are tuning into it. Everyone always wants to see Most a rocket likely. launch. <laughs> when they launch the space shuttle, I, I would watch that. After 50 launches that's of the different. space shuttle, We're I would still watch it. That's different. There's a. There's why a, is that different? Because there's a nostalgic reverence to it you saw you saw it from its early stages to where it's at now this is literally just a rocket that goes a little bit faster that has two people in uglier Watching suits rockets is cool what the hell is wrong with that <laughs> watching rockets is cool but yes. it does it doesn't need to dominate 
and Elon did Musk it? wants it to dominate. It did for four or five hours. Uh, well, that that's weird. It didn't on Twitter because there's so much going on. And right. It didn't on I'm, I'm glad media. people have their shit together. But I hate well, it was the raining. Fact there was lightning. It wasn't going to launch. I don't think there was a lot of anticipation. Where there was may, it launching maybe. from? Do you guys know? It's Florida. Cape, Cape Canaveral. Canaveral. Wasn't there like a fucking tornado watch over there this today? Or Something like that. Week? Yeah. Maybe. Severe lightning. They're going to try it again on Saturday. And people are going to watch now for that and not give a yeah. shit. Because we already have guys. We've already yeah. had guys Nobody's going to give it. Yeah. Everything they're about to do, we've done. It's just the one thing that's slight different. slight difference is the private, uh, the private company that's launching people in. That's a first. And that's been the... Like glaring thing, but even that's not accurate. NASA and SpaceX are in conjunction with one another. So, uh, look, I don't want anybody to, I don't, I don't want to um, discredit how cool the rocket is or whatever the hell they're doing up there is being cool. What I want to do is, I don't want the guy on social media who's glued to the TV for the next three days waiting for this countdown launch to think that he's seeing something that is a big deal. It's not a big deal. Well, a lot of people weren't alive when the last space shuttle launched. We've when had the that hell was that? It, we've had to. Um, we saw him. We've had to in, in order to get our astronauts um, <coughs> into space. We've had to send them to Russia to go up on Russian rockets. I think this is kind of a big deal. What are they even doing at the International Space Station? Are they just delivering like uh, a box of goods? Supplies. <laughs> that's it. Toilet it's paper. It's a sixty. Yeah, it's also paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's also been coveted up there. What if they actually? What if they're asymptomatic and they <laughs> they bring this thing out into space? Oh, that's man. gonna be the story because of Elon Musk's stupidity. Yeah, that it's that they're all sick up it's there now. Spread it's out <laughs> to the ISS. So it's almost been ten years. July eighth, twenty eleven. Almost nine years. Why ago, did we so do it from Russian territory? Why the fuck were we doing it here in the U.S.? I don't understand that. We at didn't. All. We don't have. We didn't have a way to convey astronauts to the space station once the shuttle program was was put down. Put down. I'm way behind. Oh, we retired the space shuttle program in 2011. 2011? Yeah. Yeah. So no more space there shuttles ever again. I mean, again. they were like. But that's because they were old. It was getting expensive to nah, maintain nah. them. That's because Elon Musk, a young, uh, a, a young economic and uh, entrepreneurial guru, came along and said, <coughs> "I want to take over the entire space program in the next 50 years, and I've got the money to do it, and uh, I've got the rockets to do it as well. So will you give me the opportunity, and will you shut down NASA and give me?" The keys to the engine. So you're thinking that the reason that they were incentivized to shut down the space program is because this young yes. billionaire was like, ah, I got this. Yes, money. Well, it didn't have to be Elon Musk. could have been anybody with uh, multi-billions multi of dollars in ideas it, it and the uh, factories to crank out rockets. Am I bothered? Am I wrong for feeling upset that it's not going to be NASA that puts us on the moon, but a, a billionaire like Elon Musk? It's not, not him. only him. It's Jeff Bezos, too. This is the future of everything, is these individuals with tons of money from us. We, we've given them tons of money to do whatever they want, and the the world, and not only the world at this point, everything in outer space is going to become their playground because we facilitated that. And unfortunately, unfortunately, but we they're not going to do anything cool with it. <laughs> they're not. Because they're going to bore tunnels into the ground. What that means is whenever I'm watching the Mars landing with my kids, when the humans first step on the moon, it's going to have a fucking Amazon sticker on <laughs> the goddamn landing. Like you bet. Probably. Or McDonald's. Yes. All of the worst case scenarios when it comes to uh, the 
monetization of space travel are going to be a reality here in the but future. It's no you longer knew a pioneering it was be sense. This way. No. no. No, <laughs> I thought when I was a kid growing up that shuttles were going to be around for a long time and that they were going to improve. I mean, the only way we were going to push into space and make a big push into space is when companies need resources in space and they start to spend money to get us there. Why? It's just I money. Don't know. It's just we the just way it pump is. two trillion into in, into Wall Street. <laughs> Why can't we pump two trillion into NASA? The incentive is people whine if you're if you're pumping that sort of money into NASA. Why? How come you're not paying? Why? My my student debt. How come I don't have this? No, no, I don't think they do that. Oh, they do. With NASA versus student debt. I think if we could land humans on Mars, they would be like, oh, okay, that's two trillion dollars well spent. That better be the reason. (laughs) That's that's two trillion well spent. But if it costs sixty million bucks to watch a rocket uh, sputter some some flames for three hours and then they call it a day because of rain delay, then no, that's a waste of money. And sending people up to the ISS to hand off supplies and goods while maybe necessary i don't think is um i don't think it's an excuse to make a big lavish sort of deal about uh, about this like it's been treated there's a lot of money probably in viewership in this in this spacex launch i'm sure there's a lot of money to be made with eyes on youtube or the views that it amasses i know space spacex has been doing this for quite some time with their uh, their launches in the past that just go up and come back down and all their test runs. They get millions of views. Rockets are cool. I have a friend, Michael, who works for SpaceX. Uh, we call him Pugs. He works for them. And he was always trying to explain to me what it was they were doing. And I, I never really, arrogantly in retrospective, I, I, it's not that I didn't pay attention to what he was saying. I just didn't take it as seriously as NASA. You shouldn't. Because uh, to me, NASA as a kid was a thing I almost worshipped, like a lot of us. The idea that NASA is not going to be at the forefront of space exploration, but a rocket going through our atmosphere with a Viagra on it is, that's horrible. The sending of that car into space with that stupid, oh my God. Du- that is a preview <laughs> of, of everything in the next 50 years as far as it, it, it relates yeah, this, to. This, this, this yep. episode's a time capsule. Oh, yeah. Because I'm so wondering what the hell's going to happen. All NASA's been relegated to now is CGI renderings of exoplanets, CGI renderings of black holes, uh, turning data that they sent old stuff out that's been out there 30, 40, 50 years and getting it back and, and turning it into art. I was impressed. That's it. I will say I was impressed with uh, the most recent photos coming out of the Mars rover. Uh, that wasn't CGI. I mean, that was pretty impressive. It was, it was in high definition. Really, really nice. You should look those up. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check those out. It looks like Arizona. They're, they're real. Yeah, I was about to say. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> they're, they're yeah, Stanley Kubrick is directing <laughs> this one as well. Stanley Kubrick faked his death only to continue. Oh, yeah, yeah, he wasn't. I've heard it's the that ghost one. of Stanley Speaking Kubrick. Speaking of fake deaths, I know you watched the Hunting Hitler yes. or whatever. It was. I watched did you hear Hitler. about like uh, a couple of years ago, did you hear about the CIA investigation into like uh, his whereabouts and the rumor that he was still alive in like Colombia? And there was a guy in Colombia... Argentina. Ar- was it Argentina? I thought it was Colombia, but there was a guy in South America who said he was Hitler, and uh, oh he God. was still here, and there was a photo of him, and kind of looked like him. What if he is? Well, I, <laughs> I think, I think that finding Hitler show proved it was feasible for him to have escaped Faked Berlin. Okay. Uh, yeah, because the whole body thing is not, I mean, the... Well, one, the Russians have it. Have yeah. You know. What if there is some fake news, like, some, uh, 
we we can admit that How there is some news that's that fake, right? That we grew How, up with pronouncing yes. fake news. Yes. Yeah. 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 What if yeah. what if Hitler's still alive, and not only alive, but like some semblance of political authority and actually <laughs> handing orders down to people? You know what's funny is that what if he's <laughs> running drug cartels? That's the Fourth Reich. <laughs> Well, think about it. Think about the collapse of the United States. Um, th- think about in in the realm of this discussion in the last two hours, we talked about drugs for forty five minutes and how it's rotted out society. Wouldn't that be part of the most evil dictator's plan before pre drugs? Is like how can I, how Maybe. can I destroy everything that's not like me, uh, pharmaceutically or or manufactured wise? Only problem I have with that is Hitler himself was an opioid user, so I have okay. trouble thinking of him. <laughs> Turnabout is fair play because take a look at what's happening happening to to folks yeah these days. An opioid is destroying white people uh, right now in the U.S. A lot of neo Nazis though. Yeah, a lot of a, a lot, lot of bunch of meth yeah, heads. Yeah, a lot of borderline <laughs> neo Nazis are getting hit hard. <laughs> no, but you know it's funny because we. The the one that uh, uh, you guys are, com- are familiar with, uh, QAnon, those those fucking yeah yeah I am, and this <sighs> is where I I will uh, I will swallow my pride a little bit. And two years ago, I thought QAnon was an upgrade from like anonymous, and that uh, they were going to be like that's the what wi- they sold themselves. They were going to be the WikiLeaks, the constant WikiLeaks that everybody God. wants and and seeks <coughs> out like the source of actual what's going on in the deep state. But I gave them a year and a half, two years, and they're just really an alt-right sort of facade uh, alt account, I guess, is what you would call it. Or uh, uh, doppelganger, not doppelganger, on social media, call them burner accounts. Yeah. It's like just a burner account run by a group of incels, probably. Really? Well, the, one of their yeah. conspiracies is that Q, the person Q, is JFK, who faked his own death. I'm not, you're laughing your ass off. This is what they believe. Bubba Hotel. <laughs> they believe <laughs> that JFK faked his death, and he's Q, and he's become a right-winger giving them orders. Yeah. That's what they believe, amongst some of the other crazy shit that has led to them basically threatening to shoot up places. And none, actu- none of what QAnon, and, and here's, I haven't paid them a ton of mine, but none of what they said in the dark realms of the internet and, and the reddits and all that i don't think anything of what they said has actually materialized into any substantial story not a single throughout. thing so that it's like your track record track record versus what has actually occurred is what's going to uh tell me if you're on the right side of the fence when it comes to in information in the information age especially it's really easy to do these days if you say something and it doesn't pan out you're not a source of information. That's that's just. I'm willing to give you numerous chances. Yeah. Like just in this in this conversational setting over the course of six months, I know that a lot of what you guys tell me is accurate because I know that you guys are paying attention to what you're saying. It's not like we come out here and we run at the mouth on stuff that we don't have any idea of what we're talking about. I know Morgan would like to say that, but uh, but it's not the case because. We just couldn't do it. You you couldn't have this sort of concrete discussion on some of these topics without on at record. least having on record, without at least having some respect for your stance on it uh, and where the conversation is going to go. We in a weird way we know where we're trying to take the conversation from episode to episode and within that episode from topic to topic. We just don't do it in advance of, but but we certainly know. Q and on just comes out and. 
says whatever the hell they want to stir up the the right uh, or the the folks on the extreme political side of things because they know that their misinformation is going to turn into even more muddled misinformation, and that's what they want to see. They want to see a muddling of information. The facts. They're actually the opposite of what they think they are representing or they're coming off as. Yep. They they are the, the telephone player who's in the number three or four spot who whatever he hears in their ear, they're going to say something intentionally different to the next person. Um, so that the original message gets lost in translation. Yeah, it's, That's all, it's, it's yeah. all about disingenuous narratives. I think th this is why uh, people have to hold both Twitter and Facebook accountable. How we are going to become an idiocracy is an obsession with narratives over facts. I've said this before, and this is what's happening. So we have to hold Twitter and Facebook Bro, accountable. I'm all for it. I can't, are cool. I can't wait to... <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to... come. I can't wait to come here in two years and say, hey, Morgan, I was in the green all week. How about you? <laughs> and, and when I say that, what that means is that every single thing that I said was, was accurate. factually accurate. Yes. So I can't wait to have that opportunity. And I don't know why more uh, people. You're going to be battling with AI on that. That's fine. This is true. I can't wait to prove AI like <laughs> wrong. <laughs> wrong, bitch. Fuck you, AI. <laughs> But why don't more people want that opportunity, you know, to be proven right? I think, mo I think most people want the facts. I, I think that there's, there's a, a, a fringe group that doesn't give a shit about the facts, that only cares about narratives. So that's why they're going to stand up for Trump. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they see some orange on his page that's other than his skin, they're going to be like, oh, fuck these guys. See, they're, they're, they're suppressing the truth, man. Yeah, right. You can't trust the media. You know? yeah. it's, it's just don't tread on me. Right, for mm -hmm. trying hey, to push bullshit. Don't be making fun of that. That what the flag? The don't yeah, tread on don't me. Don't tread on me. Don't be. Uh, it don't used to. It used to mean something, but it's been turned into something completely different don't from the people that use it inappropriately. When I was a kid in the '90s, when I see "Don't tread on me," it was something that my libertarian neighbors had. Who I had no problem with. Yeah. Nowadays, when I see it, too often it's right next to a Confederate flag or a yeah. fucking swastika. Dude, yeah, it's or it's used on social media for. Someone responding to someone else who uh, disagrees with them, it's like a don't tread on my right to... Push bullshit. Push bullshit, yes. And that's where it gets weird, man. It's like I I agree with so much of of the the conservative side of things. Like I could see myself in the future being a fair, balanced on both sides of, of the deal. Like the conservative history, there's a lot of merit there. In the democratic history, there's a lot of merit there. I don't know what happened along the way. It got in the hands of people who were not capable of well, appreciating the... Moderate or down-the-middle type discussions don't inspire, I guess. Don't hit some extreme that causes a bunch of people to hate it and a bunch of people to like it at the same time. It's While weird. that's true, I, I would consider us all somewhat moderate individuals who, if they hear something, they can turn the bias off and they can just digest what they're hearing and say, does that make sense or does it not? But I can even present you something in a very extreme fashion that can make sense. And maybe it may take a little bit more time for it to make sense, but eventually it can make sense. And I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is 
I can, I can, we can play that game. We, we can play the whole if, if extremism is what gets the job done and you pay attention to extreme or rhetoric and extreme. Yeah. Okay, we can play that game. We don't, we don't do it because we don't need to, but it's a very well, easy a switch to turn it's on. It's a bad game, really. It's, an, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a game a that doesn't... It's the lowest common denominator yes. idiocracy You're appealing game. to the idiocracy. That's exactly yes. what, what's his name accused Trump of? Uh, what's his name? The brain fart. Mm-hmm. The uh, smartest guy supposedly in the world. He died. He was in a wheelchair. Hawking. Oh, Stephen, Stephen Hawking. Hawking. He said that Trump appealed to the lowest common denominator when it comes to the human mentality. Those were his words. You bet. Um, so, I mean, I get what Morgan is saying. Though. It was like, individuals, we don't, we don't say extremist shit because we don't feel the need to. But when you're a politician and you, you depend on attention... You're going to appeal to the loudest voices and the lowest common denominator. And that's why he says a lot of times some of the crazy shit he does. But again, somebody has to call him out on it. Um, the, the press can only do so much. They're already antagonized in his view. They're the enemy. He's, he's been able to sell the idea of them being the enemy for a while. So Just leave it up to us, man. We're free press right here. <laughs> yeah. We're the new free press, damn it. <laughs> Sure. We are. If 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 we talk about all of the the futures of space travel, the future of politics, the future of law enforcement, all of the futures that are inevitable and that we see things tracking towards, I told you this a long time ago. I think what we do here is in a certain way the future of commentary. It, to the point where we have we can turn the extreme discussion switch on pretty quickly but we choose not to because the new frontier that is unexplored is discussion d- discussion at peace two people who can disagree on things but are still at peace or three people or next week maybe even four who can have a heated discussion about an important topic but it stays calm and it stays productive there's uh progress made as well i mean that's got to happen and so lead by example so if you do it in your small circles more small circles do it then it's inevitable that a larger circle will do it because a bunch of small circles are really just one big circle well that's a bad analogy that's a bad physical no, it's 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 a microcosm pr- of a bigger thing yeah exactly yeah. um i mean that's a culture i want to push for where people can basically have civil discussions and disagree in ways that are still empathetic with trying to understand where the other person's coming from. Well, you're not pushing for it. You're part of it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So is you've been a part of it probably long before this show existed. I know e- even when the circle was just Morgan and I having this style of discussion in his office about some side story <laughs> that wasn't important. We were... Usually sports related, maybe. We were still. I don't know. We were still tapping into the same thing that we're we're better at tapping into now. Is all I'm saying. And we're only getting better at it. Uh, so I, I do think that's true. But I mean, I still. What I mean is, I want to push it. I want to talk to other people about being that same thing, doing that same thing, being but that. You got to start way. over with them, unless they've been listening to the show. You got. You got to start almost. You got to not start. You have to. You have to be able to bend to where they're at on that growth scale yeah because they're not always going to be where you want them to be and i've had to swallow that pill too over the course of years it's just yeah you you have to play you have to play ball when it comes to uh empathy with with what 
what you can get away with depending on your audience. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Yeah. Um, but see, that's why I hate Twitter. Because it's, it's the opposite yeah, of that. It's, it's it the, o- the off switch. The uh, Yeah. Those people, basically, they follow who they want to follow. They block who they want to block. It's like I said before, it's, it's a protective uh, narrative. It's a bubble. But do you think Twitter actually does anything, gets anything done? It's just, it's just, a, it's just a baby rattle. It's, it's meant yeah. to make people feel empowered because they're venting about something. Do you th- yeah, what do you think the tangible like sort of impact in the real world that Twitter has? It, it's, it's more harmful than good. Now, on one hand, you could say, wait a minute, Miguel. This is uh, an example of, um, hey, Twitter helped people understand what happened with that poor man, Mr. Floyd. But we didn't need Twitter to do right. that. No, not at all. We have the media. We have Facebook. Sure. We have you know people contacting each other through text and phone, people organizing protests without Twitter. Yeah. I don't need to see thousands of, this is terrible and I won't stand for this re- replies anymore. And then <laughs> that person, it's like watching the SpaceX launch. After the thing takes off and is in the atmosphere, you don't give a shit about that story anymore. That's the way that all these people are because they've had dozens of stories to yeah. care about and they've moved from one to another and in that little window of reactionary time where the spotlight's on them and their reaction, then they'll vocalize themselves on it. But as soon as it's gone, they're back to the humdrum of whatever their life is, waiting for the next situation Things to, to rear its ugly head to around. to get a like and a follow on. Exactly. But uh, we've, been, uh, we've been talking about that sort of story and the importance of it for quite some time. And not only on the show, in conversations I've had with individuals who are no longer even part of my life and I don't see on a day-to-day basis, we were having discussions about these issues a long time ago. And so to watch society catch up but then fall flat and sort of just go into that perpetual cycle of Groundhog Day, I am anxious to see that stop. And to be honest, it's inevitably going to stop. But what I'm okay with is it stopping forcefully, uh, forcef- forcefully or not forcefully. And what I mean by that is, like, if your power to say thoughts and prayers after a horrible accident is, is taken away and you can't go on there or you have a limit of the number of times yeah. that you can say thoughts and prayers within a month. Your because pacifier has been taken yes, away. Yes, because if, if you think that that your atonement for all the terrible stuff in the world and in your role as a bystander is to hop online and type a couple of words every time something terrible happens, that's that's not enough. That's that's not playing your role to its fullest in this time on earth. So maybe thoughts and prayers is limited to like three or four months. And <laughs> anything that surpasses that, you get a 10-day ban from social <laughs> media. That would be great. Wow, well, also taking out thoughts and prayers, huh? That's, I'm not that's, taking that's out thoughts and prayers. Facebook. I'm taking out the fake thoughts and prayers. I'm taking out the people that rely on thoughts and prayers to say, look, I'm playing my part. I'm doing my part. Lay, lay off me and let me, let me go be a hyper consumer tomorrow. But then when something terrible happens... Type thoughts and prayers, and I'm not such a bad person, right? I'm doing, I'm playing my part. Theoretically, isn't things like then Facebook, but especially Twitter, the the best friend that the oligarchy has? Always think of George Carlin, what he said about the elite who control this country. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. Yeah. If the one great quote, yeah, great comedian, great guy, way ahead of his time. Fuck yeah, he was. 
So if you are the wealthy elite who's actually in control in this country and you don't want things to change, because things are going pretty good your way and the cattle is in its place, yeah. doesn't Twitter serve oh you man. well? Absolutely. Because they are basically, the, the cattle is being given a pacifier and they're not going to call their congressman. They're not going to go protest. They're not going to ask for a national referendum on anything. They're not going to ask for equal rights when it comes to pay. The cattle is being given a pacifier through Twitter, making them feel like they're genuinely making a change. When they're because not. they're social activists. Well, how are you a social activist? Have you gone to a soup kitchen? Have you helped right. somebody next door? No, I tweeted. Well, fuck you. Does nothing. You're right. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And where it becomes a problem is when you start color coding tweets. <laughs> <laughs> and when you start pointing people out for being fake and not being actually what they're representing to be. And I, that's my beef with the Internet, and it's been that way for a long time. I don't know that people have the freedom to turn an off switch to who they are just because they're behind a computer. Just like I don't think people, when they get behind their car, have that same freedom. And I don't agree with the road rage because when, when somebody gets behind a car, there's this sense of entitlement that kicks in that they do not possess when they're walking around a grocery store. Or they're right, that's they, very true. Yeah, the, w when you're driving, you you have this sense of authority about you. It's similar to like holding a weapon or or yeah. or being behind a computer. And I don't really feel that way. <coughs> what do you mean? You've ever had road rage, Morgan? I have, but it, it's more like you've nearly killed me because of well, your that's that's the, not me holding a gun, road rage right but the people that are going lane to lane or tailgating for no reason that's because they feel psychologically as if they have the ability to do that so they're taking their freedom to do it to the furthest extent that they can get away with and that translates on all mediums in the world and now that we have computers we see it under a microscope every day, people are taking their freedom to the furthest extent they possibly can. And what that equates to is misinformation. It's, you have the freedom to tell me that I'm wrong? Okay, well, I have the freedom to combat that with being wrong all the time and shoving it in your face that I'm wrong, and you can't do anything about it. But when social media comes on and says, all of a sudden, you can't be wrong too much. Because if you're wrong too much, we're going to tell you that you're wrong, and then the spotlight's going to be on you even more. You, you, want, you want this anonymity uh, when you get behind a computer? Well, you're going to have it, but everybody's going to be able to see that you shouldn't be trusted. There's this great site that I've been on for 15 years for music, sports, news, everything. I, I'm going to shout them out at some point, but I'm not going to do it tonight. Oh, it's actually a MySpace. <laughs> no. Yeah, Damn, no, I don't think anybody's still by his face. No, this is, uh, I want to say this is the godfather of sites like Twitter and like Reddit. Uh, it's just a message board that started off as a hip-hop message board, but it's grown into such gr bigger things. They've had a system on their site called the Prop System for some time. And all it was was a thumbs up and a slap, a hand slap. And recently they've added that if you have more slaps than you have thumbs up, your slap is bright red. And now I can just look at the people posting, and if they have a bright red slap, I can just slap them and move, <laughs> move on because I know that they have accrued more slap. Their ratio for slaps to thumbs up is to the point where they have said stuff that has warranted because the site, for what it's worth, is filled with pretty respectful 
individuals when it wants to be. What it. constitutes a slap? I guess I'm a confused. slap is uh, if somebody, uh, if there's a thread, for example, this is also ha- happens to be the site that originated thread creation. It's just a message board. Er, uh, it was around in 2003, 2004. So it's just a bunch of threads, a bunch of uh, sub sections, whatnot. So if someone gets uh, gets online and uh, posts a news article on what Trump is going to do with the executive order uh, for social media. And one of the responders says, good, uh, Trump's right, and social media shouldn't have that right. Somebody would come along and slap it <laughs> because Trump's wrong, and um, they don't understand the logistics of that. But you see... So a slap isn't about what's factual. It's about what is... Uh, other uh, users are essentially rating them, right? Correct. Other users are rating their... Ability to assess the situation rationally. Rationally, okay. you're just gonna find this site and just start slapping every post you have. Well, you should, but y- you've got a lot of making up to do because my <laughs> my thumbs years. up, my yeah, I've been on there since 2004. My thumbs up to slap ratio is like out of this world, so it doesn't matter. You, you can come on and slap every. <laughs> you've got like sixty thousand slaps to catch up to, but anyways. Uh, so uh, I've seen I've seen a lot of this system roll out into Twitter and to Facebook. This was around well before the Facebook like system was out. But the thing that I hated about I Facebook hate is that there was never a dislike button. I cannot see one of my uh, when my grandmother posts something on Facebook or when someone uh, posts something that I just disagree with. Mm. I either have to comment and say you're wrong about this, or I ignore the post completely. Those are my options. I yeah. should have the ability to say this this person's wrong, wrong with an grandma. emoji. With an emoji. Yeah. I, I should be able to say uh, wrong. Yeah. And so this site has done that with the slap have, system. Have you found this since you've been observant of this site for so long that it's actually hurt the environment that would actually feed trolls? Yes, because the other thing this site does very well is it shows you how new the account is uh, that that's created. So like bots and Russian yeah, trolls. Yeah, exactly. So bots and, and Russian trolls that are like 2018 and, and up, they'll very quickly amass a slap count to where it's indicative of like, oh, you got 10,000 slaps and 1,000 thumbs up. Odds are you're just a bot spewing out. Bullshit. Exactly. It's a pretty cool site. I'll show you guys. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm d- I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's cool. Because you said because you said it wasn't Reddit, and that's what I'm surprised. It's not about. Reddit. It's it's the granddaddy of them all. So uh, yeah, I'm. W- it's a site that we at the same time do not speak of. If you know of this site, so uh, okay. we do. It's a it, it's a good site. But um, anyways, back to meandering and in closing. We opened up five or six discussions on really important topics that are not coronavirus, but that discussed at an accelerated level, not only here on the show, but in the country because of coronavirus. Yeah. I think that we're going to see this be a constant now. Um, And I think in a weird way, in a good way, that's what coronavirus has trained us to do. Like, we, we've gotten better at it, right, Morgan, at condensing information in small periods of time? I've always been good at that. I know. <laughs> I didn't need coronavirus to help me along. Coronavirus has, okay. Handicap horses, and that's condensing a ton of information in a very short period of time. You're, exactly. Yeah. Your, your brain's good at it. Yep. 
but your brain should be just as good at it when it comes to world topics, right? It's the same switch. Your brain inevitably is. It's just you just don't have the incentive to give a shit because you're more interested in the horse races. But now once a week, (laughs) you have the incentive to give a shit about it because you want that $100 million bigger Spotify deal, don't you? If it, sure. If it's, I, it took Joe Rogan 15 years to get to this point. But he was a star before he, he was started. He was a star before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, news radio. Exa- well, news radio and the UFC yeah. um, stuff and Fear Factor as well. Yep. Don't forget Fear Factor. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he, he was actually, now that I think about it, was Fear Factor on NBC? Yeah, it was. So was The Apprentice. All right. At the same time. He was, uh, a, yeah. he was on The Apprentice? No, no, no. The Apprentice was airing simultaneously with Fear Factor. So oh. they had... NBC had their darlings of the day, and Joe Rogan and Donald Trump happened to be a couple of them. I'm not saying there's a <coughs> conspiracy. NBC is running the country? No, NBC was no. Uh, positioning people. Okay, to run the country. Yes. Okay. And now they've, <laughs> positioned, now they've positioned them to be their opposition, but it's all really one big club. Okay. Mainstream media is really all one big club that sustains <coughs> itself, just like the political system, by going at it over and over with each other for years and years, and everybody tunes in and watches it because it's a big shit show. So all you got to do is cut the cable and watch HBO Max. <laughs> Before <laughs> Disney buys them, too. Yeah, this was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming in person, guys, and risking your lives. <laughs> sure. I, I uh, uh, compliments, man. I'll take I really a break appreciate and get it. Them. Sure. M27 for reference. We do it every episode. It's this a is rifle, an right? automatic rifle. Yeah. An AR. Everybody. 